decided to start the process of transferring tape three. Saturday, May fourth, year two thousand thirteen. E-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. He died. C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. He died, uh, I guess, last Christmas. But he didn't start writing until he was in his, like, 60s. Uh, maybe a little younger. But he wrote, like, 21 novels. Uh, well, twenty no twenty novels and, and one and one nonfiction book or something like that. He was a, he's an Australian. He's a wonderful writer, and uh, Humphrey Bauer is a wonderful reader of his material, and he writes really good books. and And so, if you can find audio books of Bryce Courtney's material, they're very much worth your while. Uh, yeah, very good books. And uh, you, your time will not be wasted. Uh, okay, so could, are you to the point when you read a bad book, can you just stop? Can you, or, or do you want to know you have to feel like you have to finish the book? If it doesn't hold my interest, I just, I just don't finish it. So you don't feel guilty about it? No. No. At this point, I figure, you know. So many books, so little time. I mean, because, you know. <laughs> I agree, except I mean, I'm, you know what happens to me. Patricia hasn't gotten to that point. She'll, she'll, she'll stick with them, right, Patricia? Oh, you know, I mean, somebody spent the time writing this thing. And, Kurt, if I invest time, I say, well, it's been published. It's got to get better. <laughs> and then I get to the halfway point, and I say, I've read half the thing. I might as well, you know, and I wind yeah, up at the end yeah. and I think, why, why, why? You've got a whole bookcase I, full of stuff. I can understand, I can understand, you know, that that whole that whole train of thought. And have you ever read a book, though, that you actually thought at the halfway point, this is awful, and then finally it, it got better? No. See, <laughs> Wouldn't you think, I mean, I don't learn easily on things oh. like that. Well, I mean, but there uh, there are some books that are so slow in the beginning that you think that that they're never really gonna that it's things are never gonna start happening and they finally yeah. do. But you know, but I, I, like I said, I can understand if if you if you in, invested that much time into reading that much of it, then then you might as well finish it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Painful as it is. Yeah, yeah. And then and then you get to the end, and I say. How could you have done this? Yeah, yeah. How could you have spent this much time? Oh, my goodness. Well, speaking of books, I did finish, um, let me see, uh, Elliot Lewis's second book. Yep. And it is called, the name of it is Dirty Linen. Where is it? I had it right next to me. And I'm finished. I'll pass it on to anyone who would like it. And it's better than the first. At least it had an ending that, you know, didn't go through the sewing machine and get all stitched up <laughs> in a single page. It was uh, it was pretty good. What what kind of, of books does he did he write? Does he write? It's did a, he write? It was a mystery series that he did, and uh, actually, yeah, a private detective series. Uh huh. And um, he wrote nine is. of them. 
he oh. wrote nine before he died, uh, and it was just you know another one for the from the Renaissance man, and it was uh, this one was published in 1980. I don't know when the rest of them were. So it it was after 1980 because this is number two in the series. I'm trying to read them in order. Yeah, so I will go out and find number three now. Hey, he passed away in 1990, so I don't know if he kept writing to the very end or what, but I think... I would Alden, guess have you he read did. any of the John Dunning um, uh, novels? Say that again about Dunning? Have you read any of his novels yet? No, I have not, and that should be on my list as well. Yeah, Apparently, he, he, they are very good. He has another detective series sort of like that. Yeah, they're... they're, they're uh, Let's see. Is it the Bookman? Uh, I can't remember, but but I I read them and they are quite good. I you know, um, I I was I can't say I don't want to say I was surprised that it was so good, but but they were very. I mean, it was very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it for me, as you say, I don't want to say I was surprised that it was good. It's that when someone does so many things so well, right. it almost becomes a dilettante thing when they break into a new territory. Well, I was good over here, so everybody's going to accept me over there, and it's a bomb. And in this case, it wasn't a bomb. I mean, the first one was not as, you know, I, I wouldn't have put it at the top of the list. But the next, the second one was better, and it's the same detective. It's a detective series, and he got nine of them finished, and... Um, so I think the next one's going to be even better. So it was pretty good. So anybody who would like Elliot Lewis's second book, I will be happy to send it. Okay. So Amen. Do we have a Do we have a question? We certainly do. We certainly do. I have to find something really hard for you. Hold on. I know. You know, I mean, you are just too good. That's what the problem is. You are too yeah, well, good. If it's stuff I know. Now, I have to tell you that the question that you asked earlier, if you had asked me that question, whose middle name was Hogg, I never would have known. You would not. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry Listen, Ralph no, got it. <laughs> there are so few. Let me see. Um, so, you know. Um, let's see. No, you wouldn't know that one. All right. All right. Humphrey All right. Bogart and... Oh. Hmm? oh, okay. Go ahead. I got, Humphrey I got one. Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall. What was the name of their show? Oh, um, Bold Venture. Very good. Okay. What was Effie's last name in Sam... Oh, that's right. Sam yeah. Fade. Perrine or oh, Perrine. Good. On. All right. That good. was in Sam Fade. I thought, I thought you asked about um, Edgar Bergen. No, I did. I, I did throw that one. I, I was actually... I was kicking it easy because I know... Comedy's not a good thing, so I didn't. Oh, okay. I a new one just for him. Actually, oh, I was... you're so good. All right, what, what is interesting? We have what is, what is, what is Richard Diamond girlfriend's last name? Yeah. I know. I know. All right, go ahead, Patricia. I don't remember, but I I like the show, but I don't remember her name. Go ahead, Patricia. It's Helen Asher. Oh, you're good. Twelve for twelve. Oh my! Is it, how many did I get tonight? No, 12. I didn't get twelve. Yep, you did got I get 12? you got twelve so far. Oh well, good night, everybody. <laughs> we will be back next week. I was um, <laughs> actually, as a matter of fact, um, I was just rereading um, in, the, in the last couple of days uh, some of the Dashiell Hammett, um, the Continental Op stories, and 
the the Maltese Falcon, and uh-huh. and, and um, <clears throat> Effie Effie walks into his office, and he tells the other girls, or she tells the other girls that all the that the position has been filled, and <laughs> and then she just waits for him to for him to come back and introduces herself to him, and and basically, uh, she he says. He says, "You can you can have the job if you can learn to roll my cigarettes." <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a great and, line! And that's uh, you know, and I mean, when you, it it's very it's really kind of funny that you know you you, you there's so many things about Hammett in in terms of of well, especially in like the Continental Lob stories, yeah, are, that are just what, so, did he write the glass key? Yes, he did. I couldn't figure out no, that detective thing out. That was, um, I, that seemed so disjointed to me in some ways. I don't. Well, it, well, it uh, yes, I, but I think that's because, that's because they tried to squash everything into into an hour, and uh, it, you know, it's a little bit more complicated. Now, if you say the same thing about the big sleep. Then you're really stuck because you can look at that whole novel and go, "Now wait a minute," you know. And in some ways, you have kind of the same the same feeling that that, that you have about the glass key that it is kind of disjointed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Holds together in a way, but yet it, it, it it's disappointing in some ways, but interesting. My favorite uh, Raymond Chandler book is called is called Little The Little Sister. That's my favorite. Yeah, I've read the po- I've read his Postman Ring twice. That I uh, was that was James M. McCain. James M. King. I don't uh, think I've ever read um. Raymond a Phil- Chandler. I Marlowe book. Oh, yet. okay. There's some Philip Marlowe BBC um, uh, hour and a half long uh, versions out there. Yeah, it came out in the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah, those yeah. Are, and those are good. I haven't heard those yet. Um, um, but uh, James M. Cain's Double Indemnity. Um, yes, I read that. You know, it's quite different than the movie. Yeah. I am trying to think. What about The Saint? Have anybody read, read the, the a book form of The Saint yet? You know, the uh, I can't recall. Watch we charter the Watch we charter book. And I don't know actually. Uh, I have. Somewhere around here, I have something from the BBC that I was going to read, and then something again happened, and I got sidetracked on something else and didn't end up reading it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see. I have a lot of time to screw up. That's one of the things. That, that's one of the things that, that you know when you can't work anymore, mm-hmm. you have hours and hours more a day to screw up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah. And you went out of time. Yeah. So I've so yeah. Uh, somewhere around, I have uh, some some. Uh, I, I although I think they're I think they're acted, but I think they're directly from the books. I don't know because they're BBC as well, and I think the BBC usually uh, are good about transposing stuff nicely from from uh, book to radio. Oh, but, BBC is. It, yeah. Nobody does it better. It seems to me, though, that that the BBC is is doing less 
complete material as time goes by and more abridged stuff. Like, mm. like a huge a huge amount of the short stories and stuff are abridged because they yeah. have to try to fit them in like a 15-minute time period or whatever because they're short stories. And even some of their, a lot of their novels are, are abridged and cut up to fit into the 15-minute chunks yeah. uh, because of the way they broadcast, especially on shortwave and stuff. So I think that um, um, that a lot they're they're putting out more abridged material than they used to. I wonder how mm-hmm. much material actually BBC actually producing a week's terms of drama now. I I don't know because because it's showing up in different like you have a show like the Women's Hour mm-hmm. which actually which actually they do a novel a week. Um, well, depending on maybe maybe two weeks, depending on how long the book is. Um, but you have you have their a lot of their shows are are older stuff, but they are still they are still doing some some newer stuff, especially the longer stuff and what you'd call the classics. Are they doing any new Sherlock Holmes? Uh, no, I think their last Sherlock Holmes was uh, live. Uh, Clive Marison and somebody else whose name I can't think of, but mm. that was a couple of years ago that they were doing that they did the Sherlock Holmes, and I think I think with those new ones that just came out, it's going to be another generation before we have more Sherlock Holmes because it seems to go by generation because as you remember with um, John Gielgud yep. and. Um, so Ralph Richardson. Richardson and, you know, all these different ones. Shelley and Hobbs. Yeah, they seem to last about a generation uh-huh. or half a generation before they find that they have to remake it. So that's, you know. Yeah. So anyway. Um, uh, oh, uh, so, so for the bold venture, um, have you sent out the, the my envelope or or not yet? No, I haven't. Okay. Mary Noble is in there. I found Mary Noble for you. Good, I'm glad. About a million that. of them: Cavalcade of Kings, Marco Polo. You've got a whole bunch in there, and I do have some theater stuff in there for you. Good. I'm, okay, that's great. Um, how many how many um, Fibber McGee and Molly uh, CDs do you have? I have. I have at least seven. Mm. Okay. Why don't Why don't you? How about if you send me the send me the seventh one? You want the seventh? Uh, how seven about and Molly? Can you send me like the sixth and the seventh? I sure can. Yeah, that'd be great. Because um, I'm trying to come up with from whatever sources I'm trying to come up with a as as good a you know a number. Um, I I, um, I went to uh, archive uh, archive.com mm-hmm. and they have their Fibber McGee and Molly by by year. Have you looked at those? Yes. Um, and did you take material from those to go in your in your sets, or was there much new? There, I've got some new stuff. And I have to actually sort through. This will be a good exercise for me. I have to sort through the new ones that I found and make sure that they're integrated in the files. Uh-huh. So I'm, I will do my best to get all of the new ones in there as well. 
Well, that would be that would be great because I, okay. um, like I said, I'd love to have a yeah, as good a series, you know, as I can find of of that. Of the, I'll give it my old college try. Well, I appreciate it, and um, like I said, I don't know um, this, but this has been this this has been a, a, a great show, and um, hopefully, I'm done yelling at the radio. <laughs> I say, I'm sorry, we made you yell. No, I'm, I you, I mean. Get the all by himself. Well, well, you know he could have oh, been, true. He could have been true. talked out of yeah, house. You know. Content, yeah. 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 And uh, oh, you mentioned you you mentioned a ship called a bark. Yeah. Yeah. I had heard about that, but I never knew that it it came from the French. And um, uh, you know that that was a surprise to me. And and of course I didn't know that. You know, they spelled it with the Q U E, and we just spell it with a K. And I thought I didn't I know didn't it existed. Know. Period. Yeah. So this so, is my education. You were you were a leg up on me on this well, one. I, I had heard about it, but I didn't know. I had no idea what 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 size it was or or anything like that. Um, it's huge with a million masts and a thousand sails. And boy, if I were the sailmaker or the sail repairer for that ship. Uh, I think I'd walk the plank voluntarily. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Loaded with sails, triple mast minimum. Yeah, too much work. Too much work. Too much work. Yes. Wouldn't want to steer that thing either. No. So. Anyway, <laughs> okay. well, I will talk to you guys next week. And okay. Have a great week. You too. Good you work. too. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye bye. Okay. Here's the next trivia question for everybody. Seven one four five four five. Two oh seven. What radio actor starred in a series for five years who had a wooden lake? Seven one four five four five two oh seven one. An artificial leg. Mm-hmm. Um. He was wounded in World War One. That's why he yeah, had Yeah, and he had an awful time with it too. Yeah. Um. I have I have to let and that one he would have mo- and he, yep bit. and he was a movie star. Yeah, yeah. And he was um, married to he was married to a gal who was a who was a movie actress who also directed Sherlock Holmes in the forties. Yeah, see that wouldn't help me because I don't know husbands and wives. They change them so quickly that when <laughs> I catch up, I'm behind already. Seven one four five four five two zero seven. One, what radio performer started a home show for five years? And they would, I would class it as a, a, an adventure show. Uh, and uh, so he, and he had a wedding like. 714-545-2071. It's off, it's off my chart, it's off my chart. That's okay. You can retire tonight because you know you done tw- you're twelve for twelve. You know you don't. I'm the, oh man, I'll tell you what, I hit it. I no no, I was going to say it's a no hitter. Now look what you did to me. Well, you gave me one I can't answer. Well, you, you don't have to take it. You can just pass it to the family. Well, all right, wait a minute. All right, all right let me let me do this right. Well, Walden, I have been such a piggy tonight. I'll get. I'll just turn that one over. Wait, there you go. That's very. That's a very classy thing to do. It's you don't want classy. I'm you, a piggy. That's real classy. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I are a pig. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, oh, but there, what I don't know what, what show a she. Nutty night. I don't know what yeah. show she sent because I. Okay, I went off to the spaghetti dinner, so you have to, you oh, have to tell me right. over, you have to tell me, and I can go get them. So you get, okay, to, you so get to, to tell me what they are. I should have land on that because I need a break in a couple of minutes. Okay, we'll do that now. Tomorrow, everybody, you might want to tune in. We're going to feature the interview that we did with Ricky Nelson's son tomorrow evening. That will be the uh, show with Matthew Nelson. He'll be on. We'll feature his interview tomorrow. Hello there, you're on air. I just want to let you know, in case everybody gets worried, I yeah. know the answer, and I will call it in if nobody knows. All right, that's good. <laughs> okay. That's good. Right. You're a good guy. Yeah, good man, Charlie good. Brown. All right. Uh, uh, everybody, I mean, you know, do some thinking about do, it. Do some thinking, and now give me time to really start digging for the big questions. You know, we'll, you know, we'll we'll work on it. Yeah, it was a very <laughs> famous show. That's right. And uh, one more clue. Yes. It was actually. It was actually uh, done, uh, the reruns were done on NPR. So if anybody oh. remembers that, God knows you're not as old as me. <laughs> if anybody remembers it, that show was on NPR. So anyway, I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Uh-huh. What do you want me to go get? First show, May 4th, 1943. Oh, see if I have that one. Let me go get my bucket. This is Yesterday USA. You are with the Saturday Night Gang. We have a growing family. If you've never called us before, please pick up the phone and give us a call and say hi. I get to send you a radio show, and it takes a little bit of time because I get um, kind of behind, but... My envelopes are almost finished and ready to go out, and I can add one for you. Just call and say hi. We'd love to hear from you. 714-545-2071. We play trivia every week. We always wind up having a history lesson, which is fabulous. And um, if we have time later, I'm going to give you some useless but fun information. That really is useless, but it really is fun. We will do that, and All I've even right. got World War II recipes. I got the show here, so we can rewind it and play. Oh, cool. Thank okay. you. Hello there. You're on with Patricia. Hey, Patricia and Walden. This is Paul. Hey, Paul. Hi, Paul. How are you guys doing? Good. Thank Good. you. We're Good. having a screwy show tonight. That's right. Like we always I'm, do. I'm a little only... screwier than usual, I think, but <laughs> a lot of fun. So how are you doing? I'm doing fair. Um... I've, I've had a pretty good week. Yeah. As as things go. Yeah. Yep. 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 So I I had just uh, woken up from uh, falling asleep in the living room and uh, just made it in here and I only heard part of the last call so I don't really know anything about what what what, that, what the topic of the evening. Ah. Okay. You want to give them to him, Patricia? Sure. What did you wear on your first date? What did I wear on my first date? Hmm. First, I'm trying to think of when was, what was my first. And were you nervous asking to go out the first time? Yeah. Pardon me? Were you nervous when when you asked to go out on the first, on your first date? 
sure. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think, though, um, what would officially qualify as that. Uh, I had a lot of friends who were girls in high school that weren't my girlfriend. Well, you don't necessarily have to have a girlfriend, but like when you went to the movies, when was the first time you went to the movies with a girl? This ballpark. Uh, well, maybe in maybe in '74, um, but that was with a friend. Also, uh, two guys and a girl. Two guys and a girl. Okay, now we're talking real date now. Huh? We're talking. Would you like to go to the movies with me on Saturday? Type stuff. All right. Uh, that would be right after I got out of high school. Um, and I've been thinking about this lately. Because um, <laughs> uh, think, thinking about how I didn't really have much clothes, that I didn't have any clothes really to dress up at the time. I was living on a ranch, and I had a crush on my, my actual friend, roommate, his sister. And there was a very, very special movie theater in Carmel Valley, California. Uh, very small theater. And uh, so I, I would have been wearing blue jeans and uh, possibly uh, an okay shirt. But maybe not anything real special. Oh, well, obviously, not anything real special. I didn't have any kind of dress up clothes at the time and I was driving a bulldozer and living a ranch life and um, do you remember how much uh, it, it cost to get into a movie oh um hmm. let's see I'm gonna guess between three and four dollars ouch boy that was a lot of money possibly around there um this little small theater was a very, very special theater. Um, had a little old man who who would come out in the beginning, and, and he would stand in front of us and in the front and say something like, uh, "Good evening." Uh, Tonight's show is a very special show of Ansel Adams' photographs, and and he'd speak a little bit more on it, and he'd say, you know, there will be an intermission partway through, and coffee out there, and do, do enjoy the show, you know. Did he really show Ansel Adams' photography? Yes, yes. Like Whoa! That is unreal. Yep, and it, and it had a little... It, it, there was rooms around this theater, or at least on one side, uh -huh. that uh, there would be paintings, in, you know, like a little teeny museum. Like little galleries, yeah. Yeah, for for you to go to, uh -huh. and and watch, and then partway through the movie, or if it was a double feature, um, you would take a break and go outside, and they had coffee with these little small, 
maybe you call them like little espresso cups, little small miniature uh-huh. coffee mugs with um, like Demitas, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was there was a several large oak trees there, and, and they had lights shining up into them from the ground up, and it was real special. You were rubbing mm-hmm. elbows uh, from anybody from my caliber <laughs> to very uh, rich people. There so it was, it was for everybody. Well, then Ansel Adams, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I'm going to say was the most celebrated and he, you know, people, somebody might come back and, and say, no, there, there was one better than Ansel Adams. But he was probably the most celebrated and still is the most celebrated black and white photographer. Let's erase that. He was a photographer who did black and white photography. And it was almost exclusively landscape. He favored mountains and desert. And would, I did, see, would I see something like that in geographic? National Geographic, per se? Or? No. No. Um, no. These, these actually, this, this was um, art photography okay. as opposed to place and time and here's okay. an elephant type thing. Okay. Um, it, it really was artistic photography. And um, I have a couple of reprints. <laughs> Anybody who owns an Ansel Adams has a whole lot more money than I could earn in a lifetime. But... I've got a couple of his reprints, and the, I'm so fond of black and white photography to begin with. But he did a lot of work in national parks, particularly Yosemite National Park, and yes. also in, right. he, did a, he did a Pueblo series, meaning he was out in the, the, um, the old Spanish missions and the old Spanish um, rock formations, the... the um, the rock houses, I guess, rock dwellings, I guess is the best. And it, it's just an extraordinary, extraordinary collection of his work. Um, and I think he was known to sit for for night after night after night after night after night, just waiting for the moon left? to be in the perfect place, for a cloud to be oh, out of the way, you okay. know, and just yeah, sit there with his cameras waiting for this to happen. Um, and, and just a remarkable man. So, when so did, what, what time period did he live? Um, in the he, he lived in the in the twentieth um, century. He died like you know, oh maybe in the nineteen eighties. Okay. So his work is relatively modern by comparison to other artists, but it's also photography. So right. right. Um, I mean, gee whiz, gee whiz. So as I say, I've got four of his reprints, and I'm waiting to get rich so I can put them in decent frames. But right now, they're they're protected in tubes in in the closet. So really yes, wonderful what stuff. What I saw was a lot of Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did a lot of work in Yosemite. And uh, um, so, so at that little theater, you would see things like that and Charlie Chan. That's amazing. What a, fact, I mean, this is a whole picnic of culture. Yes. In fact, that's the, that's the movie date that I took. Um, Boy, I got sidetracked. I'm so sorry for interrupting. That, no, that's fine. That's why I, that's uh, the date that I took her on was to see Charlie Chan because she, she loves Charlie Chan. She knew of Charlie Chan. I knew nothing of Charlie Chan. Mm. And uh, I, I Did you like it? Uh, hmm? Did you like Charlie Chan? 
Yes, I did. However, I was, I stared at her so long. I, I would look at her, and I don't know if she was aware of it. I, I, I was thinking of that recently. I thought, my gosh, if she was, I should have put a lot of pressure on her. But I don't, I don't know that she was. Uh, but um, poor girl, she married somebody, and it turned out to be bad. And I, re I remember in the early 80s, I was visiting my friend in, um, in Carmel, uh, and um, she lived nearby, and she, he had phoned her up, and and we all had lunch, lunch together, and I yeah. learned of her bad situation, and under her, well, just on a kind of a low under her breath, she, she said, I should have married you. Aww. And uh, and I said, huh? huh? And my friend said, never mind, never mind. But I did hear it. And I feel so bad for her. And so I actually pondered about how um, I wasn't really, um, I, I didn't present much of a person to her as, um, well, my hair was real long, although that was pretty common then. And uh, in fact, her mom cut it. Well, clearly uh, she was somebody who could see on the inside as opposed to concentrating on what was the outside. So that's really sad that uh, that she wound up not very happy. She was your first heartthrob. Um, no, I, I had another heartthrob before, but I, did, I didn't get to date her ever, and believe it or not, she also married wrong. Oh, dear. Uh, oh, dear. Yeah, that, that, that hurt, too, so. Uh, yeah. Felt for her, so. I remember when she got married and how, how bummed out I was. Yeah. So she was my first kiss. That one I referred to was my, my best friend at the time. Yeah. He is my best friend, his his older sister. Uh-huh. Yeah, she she's the first one and she, she kissed me first, you know, and it was like wow. Uh-huh. All right. I, so there we've got women's lib coming through here. I, I couldn't breathe, literally, literally, but my breath was taken away. I could not breathe. I was so so excited. It was pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. See, girls just needed to be a little bit more assertive, Walden, and maybe it would have taken half of the terror out for you guys. Well, I'm from the old school, though. I know, I know, and I am too. I I'm, still I'm, am. I'm, I, I think I think a woman needs to be treated with class. Oh, I know, but gee whiz, a woman could come up and say, "I, I like you," and take some of the fear out of. You know what we were talking about yeah. tonight. Yep. There are just ways to have done it, and we just didn't know. We well, just didn't know, and we can't go backwards and and do it. All right. Okay, Paul. You have now spent some time listening to old time radio shows. Yes. I am looking for nominations for some of the worst shows you have ever listened to. Do you have anything oh. to put on the list? <laughs> I, I uh, listened to yours this, this Friday. Oh. It's it on a Friday at like six, is it? Seven. Yep. 
seven. Seven. Uh huh. It's a half hour. Right. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember what it was. What was this one about? Uh, she had. Was this the um, John J. Anthony? John J. And I'm trying to think of the uh, the other one right after uh-huh. that. The other one would have been. Hold on. So you Zorro. thought it was also Zorro. enough? Zorro. It was Zorro and John J. Anthony. Oh, Zorro was on that one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what was, was the John J. Anthony one about? That was the marriage advice person. Oh, okay. Who wasn't a psychiatrist or right. anything. But he wasn't any. He was a cab driver. <laughs> I just think that's a hoot. He was a cab driver. How did you find that? Well, it's just kind of one of those that floats around, and and there it was. Uh huh. There it was, 1945, John J. Anthony, uh, and it's just incredible. An uneducated cab driver, never even graduated from high school. Wow. Wouldn't you think people would have looked at his credentials? But Walton, you and I talked about this. Once he got his foot in the door. That's all he needed. He had a following. People love to hear about other people's adversities. That's why some of these reality shows are so popular. You know, you see somebody get run over by a car, and they say, oh, boy, that was great. Well, we sort of got the same thing with Dr. Laura. She's not a, she's Mm -hmm. a, her PhD's in uh, biology or something. Mm-hmm. You know, she is, yeah. But she's got a style and personality that people like, and so she's yep. got the following. Yep. As long as she has no counseling. No. Her, 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 no. Hers, hers is in uh, chemistry biology. or biology. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I had, didn't had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, she does tend to uh, teach more moral. Right. But, um. But she, but she, she, but she, but she's a doctor in the sciences, not. Mm-hmm. She has a doctorate, yeah. and she goes by the by the term doctor, which is not always that common. You know, a lot of people in academia prefer just to be called by their first names. But um, yes, no, but her, her doctorate. Some people who uh, who had the struggle, like a friend of mine, he's a doctor of chemistry, and uh, I know when he first graduated, got his PhD, he was mm-hmm. uh, he likes to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thank a lot of people you. do. A lot of people do. So, okay, so you thought John, John J. Anthony was Anthony. Um, as I recall, he he said he doesn't like to uh, to speak about degrees and whatnot. So he protected himself yeah. um, by by saying that he doesn't really like to to discuss his. Uh, yeah, he definitely gave you a a um any publicity to his schools or something. There was, mm. You're right. Yeah, let me, let me see how he put this. Patricia um, had it a certain way. Academia. Oh, he, he, on, the, on the ground that he, didn't, he doesn't want to be looked upon as an academician, he refuses to divulge the names of his alma maters and abhors the United States educational system. However, that didn't stop him from other times. Apparently, by the time Time Magazine got to him, he figured out that because somebody finally knew that he was a cab driver and not a doctor, that he'd better stop claiming these things. One of the things that he claimed was that he was a graduate of the Institute of Marital Relations on the campus of Vassar College, which happened to have been an all-woman school. Hey, that's so, pretty good, good. You can get it. Yeah. Yeah, he shot himself in the foot on that one. Yeah. But uh, 
But anyway, I, th I thought that was... He that was claimed he got it. He, he claimed he had a degree in uh, marital relations and from Vassar while it was a women's school. Right. You know. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. He had a pretty good shtick going there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good old Lester Kroll. Cab driver Lester Kroll. He made, I mean, he made a mark. He made a living. Um, it, it scares me when somebody like him is in a position to affect lives in such a significant way. But, you know, if, if you run your life based on what a radio person tells someone else to do, you have a few problems to begin with, you know? So, anyhow, so you thought Mr. Anthony qualified as a pretty bad show? Yes, I did. I'm, that was a good choice. What, okay. Was that a reenactment of real... No, that was a real show. That was a real show, so the lady was really for real. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He used to screen up to 40 people, and almost all of them were women, and out of that 40, he would pick the one he wanted to have on his radio show for the next broadcast. Okay, so he... So they were hand-picked. Yeah. They were hand-picked. Apparently there was one. I, I read in an account that he had one person who came on and said her problem was she was going to kill her husband. <laughs> Um, he didn't. He wasn't aware that that's what the problem was before she got to the microphone. So there was a bit of a scurry there to try to figure out what to do. Oh, so, goodness. Yeah, good stuff. So what did you think of Zorro? Zorro. Uh, I agreed the sound effects were terrible. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. That was good. Makes the sound of the Z. <laughs> Oh, good. Those poor sound effects guy. Boy, you know, I just love sound effects people. Just love the sound effects people. They had to go through so much. I mean, how else would you make the sound of a Z? Well, you know, they, they could actually uh, swing something very uh, fast by a microphone. Well, I suppose uh, they could. There was always somebody else in the uh, sound booth, in the sound, in the sound control area. So I'm not sure I would have wanted to. Uh... <laughs> They've had they had a couple of accidents in in the sound areas, and I guess they were better off just playing pretend. So, so are you in the market for a question? Certainly. Why certainly? certainly am. That's one of the things I, I regret when I uh, fall asleep or don't make it to you uh, one night is my. Lost opportunity. That's right. We don't want a lost opportunity. I'm looking for, let's see, did I ever send you the Bickersons to listen to, the comedy Bickersons? No, no, I have heard them recently. That's you have heard them? Kind of funny. No, I, kind of funny. I, heard, I heard an episode or two. And then, All right, well, um, in this episode or two, let me see what we've got here. In this episode or two, what was, uh, this is multiple choice now, what was Mr. Bickerson's favorite drink? Was it beer, whiskey, bourbon, or champagne? Well, you know, like I said, I've only heard one, possibly two episodes. 
Does he drink on everyone? Yeah, he changed. There was, there was a ref. I think just about every show, Walden. Yeah, yeah they, there was they, a reference they, to it. She would, she would, she would make a comment about. She would make a comment, mm-hmm. or he would, he would have a, a, loved one a bottle, for, his bottle was in the kitchen or whatever. Yeah, and he get it by mail. Yeah. Beer, whiskey, bourbon, champagne. What? He's so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> That poor guy, yeah, he needed something. You know, he's so miserable, I'm saying maybe it'd be whiskey. You're uh, close. So we're down to beer, bourbon, or champagne. Beer, bourbon. Okay, I'm going to say bourbon. Oh, wow. It's bourbon, yep. That's true. Yep, you got it. You got she it. Brought me a drink. She <laughs> brought me a drink. <laughs> poor, poor. Oh, man, she canceled his... Uh, bourbon of the month subscription. <laughs> oh, really? He had a subscription. Yeah. Yeah, the... Bourbon of the month. He belonged to the Bourbon of the Month Club. I, I thought goodness. that was pretty good. That was no. pretty good. She's so. not always a bad person, is she? I mean, isn't he? No, just... neither. Neither one of them are bad people. They I mean, especially... just have a constant friction between the two of them. At three, wants... at three in the morning, you know, she at wants to three, talk and he wants to sleep. in the morning. Yeah, stop snoring. It's just a, a, this constant friction between the two. They did do one time just one show where they were overtly affectionate and considerate of each other. Do you know which show that was, Walden? The Christmas show. It was a Christmas show. Mm-hmm. Yes, they really, really cared about each other. And I kept waiting for a punchline. And it, it wasn't there because that's just not the way it was set up to be. Right. It was, it was just a, a great and kind show. After that, though, everything was friction. Gloria Gooseberry. Gloria Gooseberry. <laughs> um, Goosby. Goosby. That's what it was. Gloria Goosby was his alleged girlfriend. And, of course, the poor guy had no girlfriend, but Blanche never let him forget it. Oh, I, that's what I heard. Yeah, she you remember was, now? Of, yeah, of, of having a girlfriend, yeah. and and so he wanted to put the fear into her or something. Mm-hmm. At, at I believe at a friend's suggestion to do so. Right. And so uh, went to this lady's house to uh, to have this date, and uh, the other the friend who suggested it really. Would, oh, you know what? I'm thinking of Jimmy Durante's show that I heard. Yeah. And that sounds right. Oh. So, do you want to keep going on the Great Gildersleeve? Do I want what? You, we're on a Great Gildersleeve series. Do you want me to keep going on that with your uh, CD? Please. Just like the, the last caller, I heard him asking about uh, Fibber McGee. Did you actually find some new episodes that um, that maybe I don't have? Actually, I'm I'm still looking and comparing, and if I know I put some of them in your folders, but if I have them and they're not on your CDs, I'll make sure you get them. You actually uh, have a have a list, a record of what you send us. Yep. Well, the each CD has is is of course a list of the shows and each one is by date so if i find something that i think is new i just go to the list 
that has that date in it. You know, like in June of 1948, for example, if I see something that I don't recognize, I'll go to the disc that has the 1948 shows and see whether or not it's in there. So all of the discs are according to date. Okay. I'm all right. Listening to a, yeah, I'm listening to an owl uh, outside my window. I have redwood trees that I planted years ago, and mm -hmm. let me tell you, I, I have so much bird activity now. I have doves like crazy. Sit up there and they're cooing and that sound goes down the, the sheet metal sleeve of this uh, chimney uh -huh. and it sounds very eerie into the living room. Wow. It's like a megaphone. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's very, cute. Very, very eerie. Well, okay. I will get Gildersleeve in your envelope, the next round of Gildersleeve, and I'm keeping my eyes peeled for the um, for additional Fibber McGee and Molly. I appreciate that. I should, okay. Do you actually uh, ship these out in, in uh, waves of time, or how do you? Yeah, I do them in waves. Uh-huh. Okay. Every couple of months, the envelopes go out, you bet. and they just get fatter and fatter and fatter. Uh-huh. Now, I haven't heard about the Eagles, I believe, that you've been watching. Oh, the, the cam got hit by lightning. And thank you for asking. That's so sweet. The Eagles were flying on their own when the cam got damaged, so... We don't know when they flew with their parents and where they went, but when the Eagles come back next year, they will have repaired the cam. So we'll watch for a new new cluster of, oh, gosh, I hope it's only one egg. <laughs> I, just, I, couldn't, I couldn't be a mother of twins. Oh, dear me, I worried about those kids so much. So anyway, they were doing fine. They were flying. Um, one of them would come back to the nest for, oh, maybe half an hour or an hour each night and then go sit in the tree like he was supposed to. So they were doing fine. And um, we'll find out how they did next year when mom and dad come back. Okay. You, Thank you, you for asking. These were just like brown eagles or bald eagles? or They're bald eagles, yes. Bald eagles? Huh? Yeah, they were bald eagles. You got, are they uh, pretty common in Florida? They are. They are now, yeah. We had something right. like 33 nests within a 25-mile radius. So that's, that's a lot of yeah. eagles. And we were I've... just so fortunate that somebody decided to um, put up a monitoring system. They eagles come back to the same nest each year so during migration time during the summer months they're able to do things around the nest that they wouldn't ordinarily be able to do and that's when they mounted the camera and made sure it was in proper position so it was there when the eagles came back so the eagles back. come back in winter months in the winter months yeah you well guys, our winter okay, yeah because you're you're uh -huh. considered south right warmer right and they, they usually fly sometime in April. They usually leave to, for their summer grounds, which can be in a million different places. We, I don't know where ours will go. But they'll be back. Interesting. Yeah. So I'll keep you posted next, next nesting season. I'll be a wreck again for a second time through. <laughs>
All right, Paul. Walden. Walden. Yep. I uh, I believe I uh, I encouraged you to um, announce who it is that that you're interviewing. Uh huh. Maybe more throughout the show. You bet. And I, I was listening last night, and I guess uh, were all of those old interviews. Yep. Yep. Okay. No, no, okay. no, 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 Okay, because I I couldn't figure out who that uh, big band guy was. Uh, Jack Jack Morgan. Eventually, I heard the name, but um, it, it was only when when you were or when his son was talking about him, well, I guess you were you about songs that he uh, well that were his own, yes, okay. and. Uh, uh, Going down the river, something. Cru- I'm, I'm cruising down the river, uh huh. Floating down the river. Cruising down the river, and uh, I- I'm looking over a four-leaf clover. Okay. Those are some of the songs they put together. Yes, that's a very interesting life that they live. Oh, that. absolutely, absolutely. All right, Paul. Well, I'm going to let you go. Patricia wants to stretch for a few minutes, and we're going to play a radio show. Where are you going to play? Well, she, we're going to play. If she shows two, she tells me. First one could be Fermi and Molly from May 4th, 1943. And then I think she got another show picked out later. So, but we're going to play it and stretch, and okay. people can call back in. Okay. In, in, in case you're listening, Bill and Kim, uh, I, I'm so sorry for how sick you've been uh, with bronchitis. I know what that is like so well because yeah. I got hit with that so many times through my 20-year career. Uh, it, it is so extremely difficult. And uh, I'm glad, Kim, that you were able to uh, take care of business and I'm I'm proud of you guys, right. and uh, you're in my prayers, too. And so you hang in there, Bill, and make sure you keep drinking a lot of water. You bet. Okay. All right, you guys. Thank you, Paul. I talk to you. I say good night to you. God bless good you. Good night, Paul. God bless the family, you and bet. you guys have a great week. You too. Okay? I appreciate you so much. Thank Paul. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to stretch, All everybody. Right. You managed to pull the first one? Uh-huh. Got it ready for you. All queued up. Heck. All right. That's um, May 4th, 1943, in honor of our May 4th. So it's still May 4th out in California. Sure, yeah. Um, is into numerology. His world is surrounded by numerology in this one. And we will be back in about 30 minutes. Here we go. This is yesterday, USA. I'm Wong Hughes. We're going to be back with Patricia to t- after the show. Must have a long weekend here. Let's see here. Uh, fast forward. 
this is gonna be it. Sometime I had a really long lead on the tapes and I just grabbed it, rewound it, put it at the top. Okay. I don't believe I am Okay, good. Show there to show. Almost there. Here we go. Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax, Johnson's Car New, and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. <laughs> Let's go get Patricia. Down the music. Hello, Patricia. I'm here. Hello there. Yes. You hear me? You don't hear me? I'm here. Hi. Can barely hear you. You can. Yeah. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Hello there. Oh, you can turn you down a little bit. Uh, do, 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 the buttons do, do, are so sensitive. Do, 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 do. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. Tell me when dun, you... Dun, 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 Oh, that's good. Did you have something to eat? I did. Did I have something to eat? I hope so. I did? Because 
you know, I, I had an interesting screwing, uh, sweeping pattern, so I think we're just going to spend all night together talking. <laughs> well, we could do that, too. I know, because I'm going to be wide awake. <laughs> uh, uh-oh. Well, I'm doomed. Uh-huh. Well, I have to tell you, I slept very late today, so, I know. Sw- I bet I slept later than you. Well, I'm not going to tell you how late I slept because then I would be embarrassed. So I'll, I'll tell just you. say, okay, I'll you, tell you. you got I it. I slept from 8 this morning till 2 o'clock this afternoon. Oh. I guess I slept longer than you did. Oh, that's good. So, see, that's why we were meant to be together. So, you, eight, 8 o'clock to 2, Yeah. you said? Uh, 8 this morning till 2 o'clock this afternoon. Oh, well, I slept from 10 to 4, so. Okay, we're good. We're we're cool. We're cool. Except mine is more current than yours. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I have more current sleep than you have. That's true. So, did you had, uh, did you listen to the show? No, I went late. Okay, so the phone is not off the hook, right? Well, let's, let's double check. Uh. Nope. Okay, we're cool. Yeah. We're cool. Every once in a while, Walden listens to a show, and he does it in a convoluted way that I can't even explain, but we wind up with the phone off the hook, and then I sit here and say, gee, I wonder where our family is, yeah, and so our poor I, family is trying to call. <laughs> what I do, I call the house, I call, I take the house phone and call the studio number, and then I can listen on the portable. That's how I would do it. One, you said. Now, Walden, I want to make sure you want. I want to make sure you hear this. So that's the way I can do it while I'm roving the house. Got it. Yeah. Well, in this show, Fibber got his name changed. He went to the numerologist, and the numerologist suggested that, according to a pattern of numbers, he should change his name to Homer Frinkle, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> But that was the second show in Fibber, McGee, and Molly in which Fibber changed his name. <clears throat> the first one he changed to Ronald. I don't, I can't recall what last name he picked. I mean, it might have only been the first well, name. He was, it was, yeah, it was sort of a, he, he just got done watching a Ronald Coleman picture and he was trying to walk around with a British accent. Yeah, he, yeah, he did yeah. that, but he, he wanted... He didn't want to walk around with the name Fibber any longer, mm-hmm. and he had been asked in several different shows how he got his name Fibber, right. and each time it was a little bit different. But this time, Molly asked him, well, how did you get the name Fibber to begin with? Do you recall what he said? Uh-huh, he said uh, the minister had a cold. Yeah, he, he was named after his cousin, who was Fimmer. Right. McGee, with M's as in Mary in the middle, but you're right. The minister had a cold when he was baptized, and instead of coming out fibber, it came out fibber. <laughs> 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 so poor fibber went up, and that was the first time. I don't know. Was that the first time or the second time? First time, I think. Yeah, it, it was earlier than this yeah. time. So this, yeah. was, this was the second time fibber got a new first name. But you're right, and and the, when he tried to grow a mustache, didn't he go frou frou on us yeah, on that he, one as well? He wanted, he wanted to he wanted to be similar to Ronald Coleman. Yeah, and yeah. he he strut around strut. in his strutting. He struts so well. Yeah, he was a strutter. Hello there, you're on the air. Do you realize they couldn't they couldn't actually play that show on regular stations today? I can't hear him. It's, okay. okay, hold on, hold on, Kurt. I gotta I gotta turn. 
uh, I gotta tone you up. Just a little bit, yeah. Okay, Kurt, speak. Okay, how's this? All right. You want me to turn them up more? No, <laughs> no, okay. no. Down a titch would be fine, but that's okay. Whatever. Okay. Did you listen to the show again? I did. Because that version of the Kingsmen doing "I've Got Plenty of Nothing." If you noticed the dialect. The, the, a little bit of politically incorrect stuff in there, yeah. Oh, very much so, and very much so. And uh, people would be would be writing letters like mad today if that happened. It, yes, yes. The song and the song had some references in it, Walden. I, one of them, I think, was darkies. Yes. Wow. Did, did they use the word darkies? Yeah. And of course, you know, at the time it was it was contemporary for oh, the yeah. time. Now we recognize that it was terribly demeaning to use some of those terms, but it, it was just part of the culture at mm-hmm. the time. But you're right; there were a couple of things in there. You're sharp. You picked them up. I, I thought it was very interesting. And by the way, Walden. Your copy is better than either of the co- other two copies that I have of that show. Ah, well, that comes right out of the Spovac collection, so... Ah. And so, uh, we're gonna... Our plan is to digitally transfer all those CDs, and I'm getting... I am in the process of acquiring more fibers from the late 40s, which is the best sounding I've ever heard, because they were the first one to take it off the master disc from Hollywood. Ah. And I'm getting those shipped to me, so, uh... So, we're in the process of upgrading Fibber. Oh, that'd be great. Yep. That would be great. It's good for the hobby, and, and uh, so... Good for my living room? Oh... Yeah. You do have some Fibbers on the way. I I, I know that. Mama what? just got done transferring uh, 100 Fibber shows that's on your way, to Patricia. Oh, great. Super. Uh, um, anyway, um... Remember, we still have our trivia question, and um, that's right. I will, I will let everybody know when I have to go to bed. So if we okay. can hear it out by then, then I will call it. That's true. We can do that. And okay. which was which was the question, please? What? The one oh, the, oh, the person with the artificial leg. That's Who was right. the actor with the artificial leg? Okay. Yeah. We can do that. With the prosthesis. Okay. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. All right. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one. I just scratch my hair. Well, I have stuff. I'm going to go through the list of awful show nominations. I am inviting people to add. I have found a couple of more in the meantime. Oy, 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 oy. Um, let me see what we've got here. And and I I really am. I'm taking nominations now. A lot of these are from Larry Gassman. He nominated Tennessee Jed. Police headquarters. He sent me some police headquarters and police reporters, so I have to listen to those two. Diary of Fate. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That one was terrible, and I do have some of them. Odd Man Out. I don't know that show. I think that's a uh, a show from the fifties. I think that's the, maybe the one with uh, Douglas Fairbank Jr. in. So I'll find. Oh dear. We'll yeah. The Fairbanks got nailed for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Excuse me. Okay, Jack and Jill. I've got those. I think that's, um, I know right. they're set aside for one of the, yeah. remember I said I have five more folders. Mm-hmm. Um, Meet the Meeks. I have not listened to that show, and I do have some. What do you think of it? I haven't heard enough. I mean, I have heard people just can't believe there's that, like, really can't believe there's that many, but why did anybody bother to preserve that many of them? <laughs> 
boy, when you like something, you like it, and when you don't, look, look out. Yep. Look out. Cyan Elmer. That, I think, is probably similar to the Eb and, Eb and Zeb. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it just, it, everybody was a lookalike, and the... Um, Black and Blue, Detectives Black and Blue. Oh, that yeah. was that was a spinoff. We did that one already, we did but that, that one, yeah. That one was a bad lookalike for Lum and Abner. Mm-hmm. All of these Lum and Abner imitations. Um, imitation is supposed to be the greatest form of flattery, but it also falls flat on its face a lot, which happened here. Moon over Africa, I have no idea what that is. Do you know what that is? I've seen the title. I've never bothered to read it, so I have no idea. I thought it was a movie. You know. Meet Meet Millie. Well, Meet Millie is not a bad show, mm-hmm. but um, well, Jim and I—it's—it's it's from uh, from Jim in California. Jim, a, a couple of times, at least once, I have picked one that I thought was terrible and he thought was great, and he thinks Meet, Meet Millie belongs on the list. Yeah, and, he does, yeah. yeah, he thinks Diary of Fate pretty good too. He thought what was Diary of Fate? Diary of Fate. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I played that one. Yeah. That's the one I think they take a a a U.S. history or world history and change the ending. What what could have happened? If certain oh. incidents would have changed. Okay. Well, I haven't played that one, mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll have to go back and look. Because we certainly would balance. You know, if we sat on a wheel, we'd be on. I'd be on one side and he'd be on the other, That's and we get everything covered. That's true. No problem. Archie belongs there. I mean, Archie, Archie belongs Andrews? there. Archie Andrews. Archie? I, I didn't nominate him. Somebody Archie? else nominated him. But, uh, should, yes. Should we call Bob Hastings and ask him if he agrees? I think he agrees. <laughs> yeah, he, he was Archie for about 10 years, so he made a living oh, out of it. Yeah, well, he made a living out of it. That doesn't mean it was a great show. Hey, it paid the bill. He said, I would have been this It paid man. the bill. Mm-hmm. It paid the bill. So anyway, give us a call and let me know what is so awful it belongs on the awful list. So have a little piece of information that I came across, the universal product code. You know those little bars on the, on all of the products, and it goes over the scanner, and the scanner in the supermarket tells you what it is and yep, how yep. much it costs? Yep, yep, yep. Well, that thing has only been around since 1974. You know, it was worked on, okay. yeah, as a universal product code. They had them in a couple of individual places, but they figured out very quickly that if you bought a can of peas in New York and a can of peas in Florida, they weren't going to be the, be marked the same. Everybody was using their own product code, so this turned out to be a universal product code. So no matter where you are a can of green giant peas is going to have the same code um, in any state in any area. So it goes through. The first scanned item was Wrigley's gum. Isn't that sweet? Wrigley's gum. And it was, I I went and I found the rest of the information. It was Mm -hmm. 8.01 a.m. at Marsh's Supermarket in Troy, Ohio, June 26, 1974, it was a 10-pack of Wrigley's Juicy Fruit Chewing Gum. A 10-pack, and it was 67 cents. Oh, man. That would taste good the to me. The gum was 67 cents for 50 sticks of gum. That's a good deal. Yeah. Good deal. Yeah. So that's where it went. 
And the item, let me see what we've got here. The NCR cash register rang up 67 cents. The entire shopping cart also had barcoded items, but the gum was the first one that went through. This particular item was then taken and is now on display at the Smithsonian. Well, what if the uh, owner of the gum got a profit on it when he gave it, when he, you know, they bought it back from him? You know. I don't know. I, you know, maybe he just donated it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've never heard of, I've, well, that's a good question now. Does the Smithsonian buy any of its display items? They must. I would think so. I mean, you can't have a rocket ship and not spend something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So 67 cents worth of Wrigley's Juicy Fruit Gum was the first to go through a scanner. So, so what would you like to do now? We've got lots and lots and lots of stuff. We've got... I've got May stuff. I've got Maryland. I picked Maryland for our state tonight. I've got bloopers, some really good bloopers, World War II information, Paul Revere. I have some more Pooh Bear. I love Pooh Bear. Um, Auction information, um, prices from the 1940s, Walden's questions, useless but fun. We haven't done useless but fun for a while, but we've got your questions too. So what would you like to do? Uh, adorable, I'm in the mood for anything you want to throw on the table. Oh, see, I knew it, I knew it. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Gonna, how are you going how yeah. are you going to ask me out to the movies if you leave everything up to me? Well, like when I want for sure you're gonna say yes. You know, if I say, <laughs> if I pick Oh if pretty I pick, sure of yourself. Yeah. Pretty it, sure of yourself. Yeah, aren't if you? I pick you might say I ain't interested in that, Walden and you know. Ah, uh, I wouldn't say that. You sure? Mm. If I called you out and said, Patricia, can we go out tomorrow night for dinner? Uh-huh. I see. Uh, for dinner, I think, you know, I'll, I'll feed you as, plenty, as much bunny food as you can hold. Okay. You know. Okay. See? I don't think you would turn me down for that. I wouldn't turn you down. Okay, good. I might turn somebody down for breakfast if you eat it at normal breakfast times, but I would ask for an alternative... Well, I'm in the mood for breakfast almost 24 hours a day, so actually we can go well, that's out. that's good. That'd be good. But you know, there are some people out there, heaven knows who they are and yeah. where, they get up in the morning. They do. There are people out there who do that. Get up? And then they want breakfast before noon. Well, I'm, a lot of times I'll eat lunch before breakfast. A lot of times I'll just eat breakfast and then breakfast. Well, that's fair. We're going to be fine. We're going to be good. We'll be fine. Sure, yeah. you can invite me out to dinner. All right. And if I didn't want to go, I would I would not ask for a rain check, which is silliness. I mean, I think a rain check is a is an, an off-putting comment. That would you know, try, yeah. if, you, if you ask if you ask me and I say no, but I'll take a rain check. I mean, pooey. Yeah, I mean, that's why I was asking <clears throat> you. If you there was a guy that you had no interest, you couldn't stand, he asked you out. What would be the right way to slam the door on it? I would thank him for asking and say no thank you, but I appreciate your asking, period. Okay, so two weeks later, he calls you up and asks you again. Mm-hmm. What would you do And I then? would say thank you for asking, but no, I appreciate it. Thank you. So if he kept pursuing you... Mm-hmm. 
Will you ever come with a little stronger answer than that, or will you be very ladylike? Well, I think I, I think after three or four or five times, mm-hmm. if he didn't get the message, he's not going to mind being smacked upside the head because he probably <laughs> won't feel that either. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I I would be a little bit more firm. And how, what would be a what would be a what would be a firm technique? A firm technique. Well, I think something that would help save face and get the job done might be I am seeing somebody and it it looks like it might turn serious. How's that? Would that work? Yeah. And he'll say, well, "I'll call you in two years and we'll see if that thing's broken up by then." Two years, you can do that. <laughs> sure. Sure. I'd I'd be happy to talk to you in two years. R R. Okay, but so I, you. I think I think that would do it. Okay. I think that would do it. I mean, you don't you don't have to be mean. No, but there's, oh, there's, a, there's a classy way to do it. Yeah, a classy way. And then you have to go find somebody. <laughs> if you say, "Well, I'm seeing someone and it's starting to turn serious," then I have to go find somebody. Yeah, true. Well, That's maybe true. not, but... To save face, you might. Well, I wouldn't have face to save. Yes. I, I, would, I, think, I think that would work fine. I think that would work fine. Mm. As opposed to, I'm not interested in you. Or drop dead. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always always nicer to talk in positives. This is what I am doing, as opposed to, this is what I'm not going to do with uh, you. Correct. So sure. it's, it's cool. It's cool. All right. So, so you want me to choose, my dear? Sure. Let's do. It. I want. I'm in the mood for Pooh Bear stuff. Pooh Bear. Yeah. Ooh, Pooh Bear. I still have a little Pooh Bear left. Let me find. And then Pooh after bear. that, I want to go to Paul Revere. You going to go where? After Pooh, we're going to Paul. Paul. Revere. Oh, oh, really? Yes. Oh gosh, yeah. he was so interesting. Okay. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh. I, did I? If I told you some of these, please tell me, because sometimes I get, you know, carried but, away but, when I transfer them over. But, but, but we have, we, but we have family who, we, you and I, been together all the time. But sometimes the family might have fallen asleep. So if you, yeah, if you cross yeah. over the same material twice, yeah, that's good. You know, there are some people who get up in the morning and eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. Heaven knows who they are. And there are some people who go to bed at night. Heaven knows who they are. So you're right. Yeah. So we crossed the We might be missing the people who are are asleep right now. Yeah, that's true. All right. Did I tell you, Pooh said, if the person you are talking to doesn't appear to be listening, be patient. It may simply be that he has a small piece of fluff in his ear. No, that's good. Be very patient. That's it's very just that good. he has a piece of fluff. He's not ignoring you. That's very good. You can't help respecting anybody who can spell Tuesday, even if he doesn't spell it right. But spelling isn't everything. There are days when spelling Tuesday simply doesn't count. That's me. That's kind of cute. That's me. Okay, well, Pooh is into fluff today. Mm-hmm. People who don't think probably don't have brains. Rather, they have gray fluff that's blown into their heads by mistake. You know anybody like that? Oh, we have a world full of them. 
Oh, my goodness. You know, gray fluff. That's good. Gray fluff in the head. Uh-huh. It, it's like it's like insulation. The, you, you get insulation in, in fluffy. It, it's just fluff. Yes. You know, it's like giant feathers, and they blow this stuff into the walls. And the walls fill up, and then you've got insulation. That's you know, true. between the, the walls, between in, in between the, the studs and the walls. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah. yeah, but it's not gray. This stuff is gray. This is special. We've got gray fluff instead of gray matter. Okay. How lucky I am to have somebody that makes saying goodbye so hard. And that's what you are to me. Oh, thank you. Some people care too much. I think it's called love. That's true. That's a good one. Who is so sweet. I just love that little He's a very smart bear. Yeah. Sometimes, said Pooh, the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. That's good. Where did all of this wisdom come from? I think this should be required reading in college. Mm -hmm. One of the advantages of being disorganized is that one is always having surprising discoveries. It may this should be in premarital counseling, you know, before a couple get married. I think, yeah, 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 or an an annual test. You know, it's kind of like the board certification for doctors. Uh They have to go through this every couple of years to sort of be required material. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the circulatory system, and you know how to put a nose back together. Do you know what Pooh Bear said? (laughs) (laughs) We can do that. Okay, now we have to go to Paul Revere. I have All to find right. Paul Revere. Hold on, hold on. Paul Revere. Paul Revere. I'm Here always you, that's Patricia, and tomorrow <coughs> uh, the feature interview is going to be with Matthew Nelson, the son of Ricky Nelson, the oldest boy. That will be tomorrow. Uh, next Friday, John and Larry are performing, so we'll feature an interview that we've done recently, and we'll probably feature in the Hindenburg crash. That's the top of the show. Uh, we're getting together. A bunch of us are getting together at the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters. I mean, they're honoring Michael Feinstein this Friday. And Gene Kelly's widow will be there. And Bill, Who's Michael Feinstein? Michael Feinstein is the uh, current piano player who does the American Songbook. For, he does all Gershwin and a lot of the famous uh, things. If you, go to, if you Google him, you'll probably recognize him. Anytime you... See a uh, a PBS uh, show based upon the history of songs and mm-hmm. thing. Um, who who uh, Oscar Levant Widow gave him his big break, and he moved to Mah- and Oscar Levant Widow met having met uh, George Gershwin's brother, and Ira, and he became the archivist and and knew how to play the piano. And sang the great songs, and he he has a club in New York, and he's sort of the contemporary <coughs> piano player of today who sings, you know, the great 1920s, 30s, and 40s music. Anyway, so he'll be honored, and Bill Kim will be there, and so that's the game plan, and then uh, Patricia and I will be on 11th. We may or may not have a guest next Saturday. We're we're waiting for confirmation. And the 12th is Sunday. We'll feature an interview that the Gaspins and I have done. Uh, the 17th, that Friday, Carol and Carol will be our special live guest. Talk about her new book. 
There will be no show Sunday, May 19th. They are honoring Frank Brzee at the Thousand Oaks Library. And so we're going to be there to record it and get it ready for a future Friday show. And we'll be in celebration for that. So that's some upcoming good stuff. Now, here's the show. Back <laughs> to Patricia. General, please. Yes. Thank you. Ta-da. Here we have good old Paul Revere. Boy, oh boy. I mean, I'm, I've got long information here. I should have shortened it before now. I didn't know that you were going to pick him. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello. He was born. Oh, he was a January 1st baby. Oh. How about that? January 1st, 1735. And he died in 1818. He had so himself. He was uh, 83 years. 80, 83 years, and one of his children lived to, I think, 85, but not many of them. He had two wives. One of them died in, seven, the first one died in 1773, and he married his second wife in 1773. Well, nothing, so. like, uh, nothing like not being living alone. Well... Allow me. Yes. <laughs> that I know. And, but, I mean, he had eight children by each of these people. And... Uh, at what, least they were busy. Oh, the, oh, my goodness. You know, I mean, childbirth in the 1700s must have been catastrophic to begin with. But so many of the children died. His, his wife died in 1773. One of his children died in 1773. So, I mean, it's just, it, it, it just breaks my heart when I look at some of this. Um, this child was born in 72 and died in 73. There was another child born and died at the same time in 76, born and died in 1780. One died at age three. I mean, it it just, oh, my God, it's just so heartbreaking but now we're we're talking about let's see now the woman he married was nine years younger just nine years younger than the wife who died so i'm guessing because all of these children are named revere that this was a first marriage for this woman, or at least her first round of children well let's so, out. how old would he have been if he would he he would have been, uh, see, born in 35, 60, so he was 38 when he lost his first wife. So, okay. So he remarried, yeah. So if she, if she was nine years younger, she would have been in her 20s, I guess. Yeah, 29. you're good at math. Yeah. I need my calculator now. I can't do this in my head anymore. Um, so, yeah, she, she was a younger woman, and... You know, here here we are with all of these children. Now, as I say, one of them survived for 85 years. Another one didn't survive a day. Well, Two of them didn't. Can you imagine the culture? You think about it. In some ways, I think death was closer to people because they had more of a upfront personal view of it. You know what I mean? Losing mm-hmm. children, losing things, childbirth. Yes, it it was much more. It it was rolled into their lives. Right. It was 
part of their lives. Right. You know? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, I'm, it sounds so silly. It really, and I, I do not mean this in any way that it diminishes what goes on in life. But honest to goodness, I can't tell you how upset I was about those little baby eagles every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I'm not a mother. I don't own the eagles. The eagles have reproduced for thousands and thousands of years without my help. Mm -hmm. And still, I was so upset that one of these little guys might have been injured, you know, because his wing was funny. Right. And I look at this and I think, my God, I am all wrapped up in a bird. How does a family, how do parents, how does a mother deal with this kind of stuff? I just don't know, Walden. Well, think how many, I think it's supposed to be a really high uh, divorce rate in families after losing a child. I can understand that. Yeah. Because the, the relationships... People's relationships go through difficult times to begin with, and depending on where a catastrophe hits, yeah. you know, it'll, we've all heard the phrase, it'll either make or break a relationship, right. and it's true. Yeah. It's true. It, if they're dancing on the edge as it is, all of their energy has gone to just staying on the edge and not falling off, right. and something like this would just push them over. Yeah. Just awful. So, okay, well, let's see what he did. Paul Revere, um, after he immigrated, this is fun, he was a goldsmith. Um, he learned the art of gold and silversmithing from his father. When he was 19, he finished with his apprenticeship, but his father died, and he became the main source of income. So he volunteered two years later to fight the French at Lake George in New York, and he was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the colonial artillery. That was just the beginning. <laughs> he married in, in 1757. They had eight children together. Soon after Sarah's death, his first wife, in 1773, he remarried, and he had eight children. None of them were hers. All of them were theirs. So he fathered 16 children. His primary vocation, his, his profession, was goldsmith and silversmith. However, that's not all he did. He, um, in addition to coming up with particular combinations of alloys and designs and all sorts of stuff like that, he was um, a copper plate engraver. He illustrated books and magazines, did business cards and political cartoons, created book plates. He wrote a songbook and did bills of fare for taverns. He also advertised as a dentist for seven years. Now, how do you get to be a dentist for seven years? He not only cleaned teeth, but he wired in false teeth that he carved from walrus ivory and animal teeth. Can, I mean, I just can't imagine that, that what this guy accomplished. And he had time to make 16 babies. Contrary to popular myth, he did not make George Washington's false teeth. 
And it says fabricating a full set of dentures was beyond his ability. So then he did, a, he was in the Revolutionary War, wrote in his count, okay, he did the ride, he rode for da, 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 British King's regulars. I mean, he just kept going and going and going. Um, you know, he's his had a very distinguished service. I'll, I'll put it service. You don't have a career in the American Revolution, but in American, he, he had very distinguished service. Um, we still have Revere Ware. We what, have Revere what, Copper and Brass Company. What, what's that, Revere Ware? Uh, Revere Ware is copper-bottomed pots and pans. Okay. It's, it's manufactured. It's not manufactured by the Revere family any longer. But all of this got passed down. Well, let's see. It, it, in, at the age of 76, he retired and left his well-established copper business in the hands of his sons and grandsons. Revere seems to have remained healthy in his final years despite personal sorrow caused by the deaths of his wife, Rachel, and his son, Paul, in 1813. He died in 1818, leaving five children, several grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. Five children out of 16 Walden when he died. Five children. Eleven of them were dead. The heartbreak of losing <sighs> 11 children before you go. Eleven children. Um, an obituary. And in a newspaper called the Boston Intelligence commented, seldom has the tune closed upon a life so honorable and useful. Just incredible. And Walden, what, what, what would we have done and where would we be if you and I had been called upon in the American Revolution to accomplish what these people managed to do? Well, I mean, so are you asking if we were living at that time, what do you think we would have done? How many people who were living, me included, yeah. who were living at that time could rise to the occasion and accomplish what some of these people did? Well, if you look at the numbers, I, I bet it's interesting. Um... I think, and we we could probably, I bet we could work this out. I think, in, if you look at 1875, I think there's a, the population was 3 million, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And they said 40% were loyalists, I think it was. So, there, so it's the thing here, there's 1.8 million. How many actually served and fought? I, I imagine we did the numbers. I, I'm thinking we're, look, we're looking at 10%, Patricia, probably... Probably 200,000 people probably would, would put the country on the map. I'm thinking about the, the soldiers and the mm -hmm. politicians and things like that. Well, just to, uh, let's assume I'm, I was an everyday, ordinary person, which, of course, is very difficult to imagine, no, I know. Not, not Patricia. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, I'm hot tonight. Um, I, I just, uh, just the average resident, an average citizen who lived in the same time as Paul Revere and the other colonialists, how much of this list could the average person 
be expected to accomplish before he died, never mind surviving into his 80s. Mm-hmm. But to have everything from silversmith, coppersmith, dentist, father, um, revolutionary, yeah. soldier, I just, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. How many people could have accomplished a comparable amount? Not necessarily what he did, but, um, and, and Ben Franklin is another one. There'll never be another Ben Franklin. Whoa, look, 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 look at the fortitude and the abilities. Look at the, look what America was blessed with. We were probably blessed with 50 years, maybe between 20 to 50 extraordinary human beings at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, look, if you look at it, and I'm talking about the one that, there's pure renaissance from like John Adams. Right. To Thomas Jefferson. Especially. A, ba- a Benjamin Franklin. Most assuredly. A Paul. Oh. And how many we don't know about? That's going to be my next question. These people... And how many we don't know about? That's what my, going to be my next Correct. question. These people were so enormous that the rest of the population lived in their shadows. Right. And by typical standards or normal standards, many, many, many of them were extraordinary people. We just didn't know about them because the ones we do know about were super extraordinary. So you think maybe a half percent of the population? Did what? Were, were, were so extraordinary that they moved the country. I mean, I mean, you should think about it. I don't think that many. Yeah, you think about how much uh, uh, the destination of America was right on so, so, so many people's shoulders. Whatever the numbers would be. It tells you how, what an impact people can, I guess a few people can have. Yeah. By the same token, we look at, at um, with Paul Revere, for example, he had two wives. He could not possibly have accomplished what he did without having the distaff side, raising the children, supporting him, making sure that he got what he needed in order to continue functioning. So the women in this particular setting were the unsung heroes as well. You'd never, very rarely do you hear about an extraordinary woman. But if you had an extraordinary man, you typically had a pair who made that happen. Well, you, you heard about Ab- Abigail Adams Ab- being a extraordinary, extraordinary right. woman. That's um, one. But you think... <laughs> That's one. Yeah, but, <laughs> you, but you think about it. Think of the structure. How many of the, the guys who were, uh, basically lived and worked all in the same area? Like, you know, like so many of the printers might be living upstairs and the print shop is downstairs. 
Sure. Um, sure. And that was pretty common right into the um, 19th and 20th century. Right. They could the early open. 20th century, sure. They, how, many, how many things were sort of family-run businesses? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I doubt myself. And I, I, when I say I doubt myself, I mean I really doubt me as a person that I would be able to do anything close to what these people had to accomplish in order to survive. Well, I bet you, Patricia, if you had the same support system, you might be underestimating yeah. yourself. Yeah. Uh, hello there, you're on with Patricia. Hi, guys. Yes. Yes. That is amazing. Behind every great man is a great woman, is one saying. Right. And having truly a great woman as my own wife, it's, she is amazing. Uh, and she was amazing before I became disabled, but since, and she is doing literally everything. Uh, it's, she's amazing. I've always said uh, my wife would be a great pioneer wife. Now, yeah. you, you um, talk about these great people. Um, there are many, yes, that we know nothing about by just their very existence. I, I thought about this recently. Um, the mountain men, uh, people that leaves civilization with maybe, I'm, I'm guessing, flour, beans, <laughs> maybe some bacon, and go on foot or horseback or maybe a mule uh, carrying stuff and into the wilderness and decide that they are going to stay in the wilderness and have to build their cabin before the winter becomes hard and are able to physically do that on their own and without having a wife. Prepare meals, eat this boring degree of food Although I will say they, I'm sure they had plenty of game of all varieties, fowl and deer, everything, mm -hmm. to, to add to the flour and beans. Uh, uh, but able to do that, survive through it, make that w winter is phenomenal in its own right. I was thinking about, if you point out, Paul, my great-grandmother, this would be my dad's grandmother, at 16, she got married and she drove cattle from Texas up to Nebraska, homestead, you know, property in Nebraska, and the first winter they lived in the in the hutch, and, you know, just dug a hole into the side of a mountain to live through the first winter in the Midwest. Before the guy can't develop their, their, their home. And they should think about any female that was willing to start from scratch in the middle of nowhere with no support. And I think Patricia, those are just underrated females to even be willing to do anything like that. 
Yes. So this was a great grandmother, you said? Uh huh, my great grandmother. Yeah, my dad's grandmother. Uh, she did this unmarried? She married when she was 16 and drove cattle. So she was married. She and her husband. So her husband was also a rancher? Yep. So together they drove cattle? Drove cattle from Texas into Nebraska. And then, and, and then had to spend the first winter, I guess, you know, like a, uh, what do you call it? You know, to dig a, you dig your home in the side of a mountain. I think there's a certain mm -hmm. name, a hutch or whatever they... And it's an earth, an earth cabin or an earth... Some, something like that, yeah. Earth home, I guess. An earth home to survive the first winter before they went and had the time to build their first home. Well, very good there. You answered a, a, a big part of it because that gives more time there. Yeah. Because uh, I'm thinking, what a what a rush one guy to to do this, you know. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so the ones that uh, built the earthen homes on the prairies, there were sodbuster. Right. Sodhut. Sod I think sodhut. I think they called them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My wife has a photograph of some one of her um, early. Um, ancestors uh, was a female who did that on her own too <laughs> um, so, but that is phenomenal that they did that that reminds me of a movie that I don't recall what it was but uh, it was the Civil War days and uh, well these guys were um, outlaws and and they had um, found this little canyon that they went and dug into the mountain to do their home, just like you said. Mm -hmm. And they even had a, a little separate area dug in that they would have their horses in out of view. Uh, pretty, um, pretty interesting. Yeah. So um, the Revere Ware actually isn't just using the name, but it actually started from Paul Revere? It actually was his family, yes. It, was, it started with him and got passed down to his sons who passed it down. No kidding. Yes, I still use some. I have a, well, my wife uses it. <laughs> I, I have a 13-quart uh, stock pot that my mom and dad bought me back when I was a, a bachelor. I used to um, use it to make uh, turkey vegetable soup with after I, you know, cooked the turkey and, you know, put the bones in there and all. <laughs> and wiped it out, yeah. yeah. Indeed. So, I, I well, I do appreciate your call and, and your support because you are right there for, for as many men, and not every guy, had a good woman behind him. Sometimes they had women who were saying, you're going to go where and do what? But we had an awful lot of women in our history who played roles that we'll just never know about. That's, that's right. Like, and men. I mean, this is men too. Just people in general. Yeah. Did Paul Revere bury 11 children before he died? Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. He let, had five children left when he died. Oh, man. Yes, that heartache. That is my most fervent prayer that the Lord does not allow any of my 
children to die before I do. Yeah, it'd be hard. Yeah. It would be so hard. Okay. All right, Paul. Listening. You bet. You <laughs> hey, thanks, Paul. Good night. Good night. 714-545-2071. You, you, you would mm -hmm. make it. You would make it out there, Patricia. I think I would. I, would. I've got a lot of stamina. I've got a lot of fortitude, and I, I worked like a rabbit yeah. when I was getting through school. You know, I worked full-time. I went to school full-time. I dated full-time. <laughs> <laughs> you had a busy life. I had, yeah, I guess, so I guess, yeah, I could give it a good run anyway. Yeah. Hello there, you're on the air. I slept full-time. <laughs> you're I back. full-time. You're back. How are you? This is Ron hey. from Hawaii. Our aloha and what's well, the we, other? Well, we only got one call from Hawaii, so is it okay to have two calls from Hawaii in the same yes, night? Yes, we can, we can have two calls. Yes, Lenoy called from Hawaii tonight. He did call. Yes. He did, and he and he said aloha to you. And I knew you weren't listening because you had a gig tonight, right? I had a gig tonight. I just got home. Yeah. It was a very successful job. We paid for a lady who was 80 years old, and she just... What she asked for rap and uh, bebop? She wanted, I say, she wanted some nice funky. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was fun. It was really good. We played. Do you play funk? Uh, well, I used to. <laughs> I, no. in fact, I think I lost. At one time, we played Doobie Brothers and all kinds of stuff. Really? Yeah, but I think. Ron, have you ever been put in a situation in a gig that you had to play music that you couldn't stand? Yeah. What was it? Well, to be honest with you, yeah. I, I at one time played burlesque piano. Whoa. At the Follies. Uh-huh. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah. It was wild, but it was good money, but I... <laughs> and once I missed a beat... Oh. She threw something that she took off and hit my head, you know. She was all upset. But, um, anyway, that was part of my early life. Uh -huh. and I, I was glad I got promoted to do better things. <laughs> Even Liberace admitted he played in school. He wasn't from backstage at the, at the Follies. <laughs> oh, that's funny. To this oh, lovely little person who is 80 years old. I played for burlesque dancers and didn't miss a bump. I mean, I was pretty cool. Yeah. You still are. Well, I don't know about that. You're, uh, you're a cool oh. cat. You are a cool person. Yeah. So, what's been going on? Oh, Ron would love these topics. He'd be a good person to ask our topic Phew. for the evening. Oh, yeah. Well, we've got a theme, but we've been okay. all over the place. We've been from ships and sailing and the Civil War. Paul Revere. Paul Revere. And Paul Revere. And baseball, and I know what baby badgers are called now, and stuff like that. There, but I want we did Ron, a lot. I want Rod to answer our two theme question for tonight. Yep, we do. Well, we have a theme tonight. We need to know about your first date. What did you wear on your first date? Who did you ask? Where did you go? How did you How did you ask the girl out? We want to know 
all the dirt? Well, let's see. My first thing, I there was a hula dancer. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I, I I was quite intrigued as she was. All these hula dancers. I asked her to go out to a prom. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. And it was the first and only date that I had with her. And um, yeah, we had a, <laughs> it was an interesting time. It was a, a hula dancer. How did you meet a hula dancer? Well, I was playing for a, a Polynesian show review, and this gal was, and you know something, I was only into, I was only in the 10th grade. I was only 15. Whoa. How old was she? Well, I found out she was one year younger than me. She was, in a, she was a freshman. That was a bit too young to go out. But anyway, we did go to a prom. And um, she was a, it was a fun day. And what did you wear to the prom? Hey, I was, hey, I was really cool. Uh, what? <laughs> Board coat. Oh. And a pink carnation. Yeah. Now, Did you really? Did you really wear a white jacket? Yeah. Now, Ron, were you ever nervous acting a girl out? You know, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you had that problem, Walden. One of the one of the most interesting things about um, going to a regular public high school. Yep. Some girls that I asked to go out, I know they said no only because, not because they didn't want to go, they just didn't know how they would have to treat a person who was sightless. Right, a blind person, you bet. You can mm -hmm. tell. Mm -hmm. You can tell uh, a person who really says no because they really cannot or something came up, then a person who, who is who wants to maybe say, doesn't want to hurt your feelings, but doesn't know how to tell you that. Mm -hmm. Doesn't know how to act. Mm -hmm. But then, you, but see, I, it didn't bother me. I sloughed it off because I, I knew that part of my life was going to be like that. I, I knew there would be some people who would be uncomfortable. And, and rightly so, because it's just human nature, you know. And when you're young and a teenager, you know, it's expected to be all mature and all, well, I can handle this or I can handle that. Mm -hmm. So some of the, the refusals that I did have was because they just felt wrong. They didn't know. But that didn't stop me from moving on, you know, because I knew that it's okay, it's all right. Because maybe if I went out with somebody who was in a wheelchair, maybe I would feel uncomfortable. You know? mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, so that was interesting. But you ever got nervous acting a girl? Not me. Wow. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Is that true? Really? Are you are you being you you're telling the truth when you say you were not uncomfortable asking a girl uh, out? I guess maybe not all that true, but 
I'd like to think I'm very bold. <laughs> but I, you know, it, I was sometimes uncomfortable or nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You think you have a big advantage being a piano player? I mean, you, you, yeah. you, 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 have, you can play and the girl came. Oh, you know, yeah. we poor stiff who didn't have that ability. <laughs> we, we. <laughs> you had to depend on table manners. <laughs> not, not to, not to brag or anything, but definitely it's easier if, like, if you're a football player mm -hmm. or you were something in sports or, you know, mm -hmm. some recognition that mm -hmm. people knew about. And, you know, that's just part of teenage life. So I played the piano and there was, that was a plus for me, you know. Uh, the only downside that you could you couldn't take the piano with you on a date. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you had that good thing they invented keyboards for you guys. I'm gonna tell you something. I did have a date one time where she sat next to me while I played the piano in a fifteen piece dance band. And the piano part is very boring actually. You only play chords while the the band is really Trumpets are really ruffling all over the place. Uh -huh. And um, the gal actually fell asleep. <gasps> her, her, her head whacked my shoulder, and I knew that she was getting bored. Oh, gosh. So I never took her out again. <laughs> oh. But, uh, oh. Yeah. That's, that's rotten. How can you be bored with a big band? Well, I guess because she maybe was not that interested in music. I don't know. I have no idea. But that was the first and last thing. That was it. No more. But Walden, did you go to all your proms? In high nope. School? Didn't go to any of them. Didn't. No. Uh, but you, you made an interesting observation. And I, I will, and I agree to in a lot of ways. And I'll share what my, a lot of my, most of my closest friends, um, in my life. And I just, looking back upon it, you can see this. And I think you'll probably agree. Are the more outgoing person. They're the one that, that it doesn't bug the heck out of them that you're blind. They're going to reach out to you. They're going to be the most outgoing person uh, that grab onto me. And it's, it's so many of my good common friends are these, uh, that way. And, you know, I think the ones who were really shy or held back, especially when you were younger, um, you know, they didn't connect with me. The ones that did. Over, over the outgoing people, and it's just and it, looking back upon my life. I think maybe that personality trait uh, have overcome the difficulty or the uh, scaredness of having known somebody who was blind. Well, quickly, Patricia, how about your first date? Oh, you missed it. I already talked about it. I wasn't here. So quickly. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. That doesn't count. <laughs> My first date that I can remember, you know, the first honest-to-goodness real date, I went to a dance, an honest-to-goodness dance at a military academy. Wow. It was a 
Yeah, a boy in my neighborhood, someone who lived nearby, um, went to, I, I told Walton, I think they sent him to a military school for a reason. I mean, he was a nice kid, though. He was really very nice. And um, so that's that's where I went. I mean, I was all dressed up, and they had army people. Well, you know, I would say semi-formal. Semi-formal. I don't recall how many people showed up in long formal dresses. Most of us had the shorter semi-formal, but the guys were in uniform and the officers. Yeah, they were in uniform and the officers were in dress uniforms. Everybody was. I mean, it, it was pretty. It's pretty impressive, you know, and I wasn't that old. I don't think I was more than 15, maybe 14. I danced, or was it, was it I beg your pardon? Or... What was the question, Ron? What, did they have a live band? Or oh, it... sure. Oh, oh sure. Wow. It, it was big-time stuff. I mean, I had never been to something like that before. Did you I, feel... I think that was the first dance I ever went to. Did you feel well, of course un... it was. It was my first regular date. Did you feel uncomfortable dancing, Patricia? I felt uncomfortable, period. Uh-huh. Because it was an environment I wasn't familiar with. I mean, it was in a room full of a huge place full of people in military uniforms. I didn't know anybody except the person I was with. So, and dancing, I mean, who knew how to dance? He didn't know how to dance either. So, I mean, we were pretty well matched in that department. But it it was not a comfortable affair. I don't recall that I had a particularly good time. It was nice to be able to say I went, but I wish I didn't have to, you know? It's not something I would have said yes to a second time. Oh. Well, one last item before I, I hang up, and that is, you know that site, that OTRR site, is a very interesting site. And you know why it's interesting? Because whenever the... I have a they give a little historical background on the the program. For example, um, I downloaded um, Ogo Comedy Hour or something. Mm-hmm. They give you a, a little synopsis of when the program was aired and all that kind of stuff. quite interesting, quite interesting. So that's a pretty neat site. Where, um, you got Backstage Wife? Yes, I put that, um, in your envelope already. Good. I was going to request that. Well, you already did. See, you're consistent. Now you can ask her for another soap opera. No, no, that's it. Ah. Mary, and there are quite a few episodes. I was surprised at how many episodes there were. So you got Mary Noble is in your envelope. She's screaming, but she's in there. Good old Mary Noble. Good old Mary. Mary never knew how lucky he really was. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> and she never realized he loved her. <laughs> she, she took a lot of guff from being backstage wife. Yes, oh, my goodness. Well, if she hadn't, they wouldn't have had a show. A little, a little, far, a little <laughs> Iowa farm girl. Who grew up to marry the the matinee idol, a star of million women, whoever the t- however they wrote the opening. One more last question. 
What's on the agenda for tomorrow night? Well, We're going to be featuring an interview that Larry and I did with uh, Matthew Nelson, Ricky Nelson's son. Really? Yes. Uh, so we're going to feature that tomorrow night. And uh, probably play a radio show, whatever Michael Beal will talk about. Is that after Michael Beal? It'll be, 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 uh, be uh, before. Well, what time would that be? Uh, that will start at 7.30 West Coast time. Okay. How so, long was the interview? Uh, he was in between gigs, so we got it for 20 minutes. Okay. And so we got that. And then... Uh, Does he sing? Yeah, yeah. He he and his brother Gunner they still perform. They're, they're the twin Nelson. They have sold about three million records. What's his name? Uh, Matthew. Matthew Nelson. Ma- Matthew Nelson. He the he the you know Ricky had twins, and Matthew is thirty minutes older than Gunner. And you know they're so they're they're the only family to have. Uh, Three generations of million-selling hit people, from Ike and Harriet to Ricky to Matthew and Gutter. Now, David Nelson has children also. I think he did. Um, yes, he did. But I can't remember it. How many? Two? Does that sound right? Possibility. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no. Ozzy, Harriet, Ricky, and David—they're all deceased. They're all gone. Dave passed away last year. And, uh, I mean, it, it's really sad. I came across a picture of, oh, I guess it was on one of the ads. They're advertising one of the Time Life series with all of the teen idols from the 60s. Yeah. And Ricky Nelson was part of it. Was he there in the 60s? Yeah, the 60s. Yeah, he, he, he career started music in 57. Okay, so and he was he, still going. He was going through into the sixty, into the early sixties. Yeah, sixty-two. He was still knocking out good records. Yeah. Okay. Well, they had a picture of him there when he was young and he was performing. And I thought, you know, what happened? What happened? Not only to the Nelson family, but just what happened? We had this era of people who were lively and into things, and now we lost Ricky in a tragic accident. Right. Um, David was gone with a senseless form of cancer. Right. Are you there? Ron, you okay? David was right. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I heard of, I thought somebody fell off there. Um, you know, David died of a senseless form of cancer. It was colon cancer, which is one that is absolutely 100% preventable as right. long as people get their regular checkups. And, you know, and Ozzy and Harriet are both gone. Ozzy you know, he, never smoked and died of lung cancer. And died of lung cancer. And, you know, but he, as a band leader, he was around it all the time. Mm. All the time. You know how, okay. you know, here's a trivia question for both of you. You know how Ricky Nelson got his first record? Why he did his first record? Why? Oh, for his girlfriend. Right. They, yeah, the girls down the street and his he wanted to impress her. Her girlfriend loved Elvis Presley and Ricky couldn't stand it. So that's why Ricky decided, oh, I'm just going to go cut a record and give it to his girl. And that's why, so he went down. And uh, recorded a fat domino song and gave it to, and that, you know, they get to prove to his girl that he could sing too. Yep, and he was good. Yeah. All right, David had Terry Nelson. It looks like a, a girl spelling of Terry. 
Right. Daniel, James, Eric, and John. Five. Five children. Yeah, uh, Matthew was telling us that the the Nelson archive is split among so many different families that it's his goal to try to see if they can probably bring it all together. Might be easier to get stuff out. Yeah. So. Well. It's all divided up. It's not in one museum or whatever. No, correct. And you know, in different branches, the family control different parts of it. You know. And uh. I think we got the more more the we don't have the the ABCs one, right? We have the ABC. Yeah, he told me he told us that the, the all the radio shows. Or donated to a university in the Midwest, and but they're really it's all in public domain, so that's why there's really no incentive for anybody to put it out there. But they're all they're all sitting there. We we got was it the ABC things that are pretty much all not really put together mostly lost NBC and then took care of their stuff. Yeah, correct. Like yeah. All right, we've, we've, I've been long enough. We'll talk to you guys later, okay? Aloha. Aloha and whatever. Aloha I got whatever. to say it first tonight. We never get to do that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, Ron. Thank you so much. When he goes... He's gone. Yeah. You know okay. something? Ron must put a lot of energy in a show, because every time he calls her from a show, he, he tuck it out. <laughs> He's he has used his energy and given them a lot. Yeah. Indeed. What? what? Oh, now we have to do other stuff. That's right, boo boo. Oh gosh, we have to four, do other stuff. Five four five two zero oh, seven one. So I want to give boo boo a call. Yes, here. Hello there, you're on the air. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, dear teacher. Good morning. You didn't run away from home, and oh, what happened at the Derby? At the Derby? Yep. Yeah, the Derby. What happened? Well, I think they had a bunch of rain, and I... Oh, it did. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, the horses, we ran theft. Our family... Good shape at the, at the top of the stretch until all the horses from behind came in. What can I say? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it started raining about 11 Eastern time, and it rained all the way through to the end, pretty much. I mean, and uh, the odd thing was, of course, I was watching local coverage here. Yeah. And um, on all three of the, uh, you know, channels here, they have, um, you know, their local people go out and cover the derby there. Uh, I don't know. It, it, I, I guess it's an odd phenomenon, you know, maybe for other parts of the country. I mean, is there a celebration that, you know, all three network or all three network stations cover, you know, whether they have, you know, uh, you know, the right to or not? Yeah, I don't know. I'm the sad truth is I never watch net. I say never, almost never watch network television, so I don't know. Yes, 
Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think maybe... And I don't know if they'd cover the whole race as opposed to just the finish. Oh, gosh. They were there. One station was there at 5 in the morning. The lights were out. They were the only people there. You know, of course, they had, you know, reports, you know, that their reporters had, you know, um, compiled, you know, from the night before. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they... It's been a whole week, it's been a whole two-week celebration leading up to the dirt. Oh, I would, uh, so I would think so. This is big time. Work. How many horses ran today? Nineteen. Nineteen horses on a single track? Yep. They, 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 they can go up to 20, but they scratched one of them yesterday. Yeah, oh, my. Uh, one was scratched uh, 19 or uh, maybe about 30 minutes after the uh, deadline. Where the uh, other horse could not move in, the uh, oh heavens, what was the name of that other horse that could have moved into the into the running? Uh, oh no! It was the oh. uh, I didn't realize that that was the case that they had a threshold. So if a horse, if one horse is scratched, the next one on the list can move up. Yeah, what they do... Like making the cut on a golf course, mm-hmm. uh, on a golf tournament. What, wow. What they do for the derby, you, you except there's so many horses that enter, they based it upon their winnings to get into yeah. the field. Yeah. But once betting starts, they can't move a horse in after the betting starts. Correct. That's well, that why, sounds right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the one called Fear of the Kitty could not move in. And I heard some uh-huh. people wanted to bet on it just because of the, uh, because of the name. I would be spy. Wow. I, was I, the rain hard enough to create a muddy track? Yeah. Any of them not? Uh, now, the uh, uh, Churchill Downs has a natural track, not a poly track or anything like that. So they can work pretty well, but they said it was like running in uh, peanut butter. Now, uh. now uh, I grew up, my dad was a good horse better. He still is. Do both you know who who a muddy track favors? What kind of horse? A, a mudder. I don't I don't know what a mudder what characteristics a mudder has. You know, Dan? You probably I'm do. Not, I'm not sure. I would think that it would be you know a horse with you know a better muscular. It favors. I would, a, if, I would think larger hoofs. It actually favors a horse who's got speed, because. Most white he's the one that's throwing mud behind him. True, and you know they were. I heard that there were some jockeys wearing like seven and eight pairs of goggles. Oh yeah, a lot of them do. Mhm. Yeah. Cause they, you know they, they got white because they can be blinded with the mud being tossed. Yeah. Yeah. And you know I I do not I haven't heard the answer to this, but mm-hmm. what did they do before they had goggles? Uh, they can be blinded, I guess. You know. They they use their hands a lot. I don't know. They probably squinted pretty good. I don't know. What did they do on the car races? They they've got peel away substances, you know, peel away sheets on their windshields now. So when they get really muddy, one of the the sheets can just be peeled away. They I don't never have knew to. That. They they don't have to wash down or pull off and. Wow. Um, you know, wait for their car to be washed off. Right. When they pull in, they just peel this thing off, and they're and off they go again. Um, 
And it sounds like a really neat thing to do with goggles, but I don't know how you would do it with goggles. And if you let go with something, you'd be throwing it at the horse and the rider behind well, I you. I think you flip it over your head. You know, that's how they think that they do it. What, the goggles? Yeah. No, they pull them down. Yeah. Oh, pull them down, okay. Yeah, they, they can't throw them because they'd hit the guy behind them. Right, somehow they, they got to move them down or something. Or move them up. Yeah, and they, move. Yeah, they move so them they... down so they're, they're all around their neck when they're done. Yeah. Can you imagine what these guys are doing? They're, they're holding up for their life on a two-ton animal going 60 miles per hour and riding on a rail for two minutes. Well, not quite two tons, but a big horse. Yeah. A big horse, yeah. And the injuries that, um, that some of the jockeys have suffered over the years is catastrophic. They've got insurance now. You can buy jockey insurance for years and years and years. They could not buy insurance. So when they were injured, there was no way to pay their medical bills, and their careers were over, period. What? There, there, was, there was just zero. One of the legendary jockeys uh, wrote today who have been retired for years, and he was 50 years, Gary Stevens. Mm -hmm. yeah. He went back in, lost 40 pounds. Six, and started riding six weeks ago, and here he was the one riding the rail at the beginning today, and I thought that's amazing. He's been gone from the track so many years, but he went back up on went back up on the mount today. And well, he 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 was in that movie uh, that came out. Sea Biscuit. Yeah, Sea Biscuit. Yep. He he was he was like in the movie Sea Biscuit, and right. he hoped that he was able. Was going to be able to to like be a technical advisor, you know, on other you know mm -hmm. racing movies, and he was trying to get into acting. Yep. That just didn't pan out. So then, like, well, I'll go back to what I know. But um, yep. Works for me. Works for you, for you. Yep. Yep. I'm just never going to leave Yesterday USA because it's the only thing that works. <laughs> <laughs> You find that amusing? No. Alden, I think you're stuck. <laughs> That's the word. I'm stuck. Well, I'd rather, you are be, stuck. I'd rather have her be stuck with me than, than vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that means. Sounds no, pretty good. No, we, we have to rethink that one. <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> so, um, are you off? You have time off now that you're less crazy at the library yes yes finals are over i uh i got done about 2 a.m thursday morning so i've just been having a good old time we've uh I've had the if that means you've been sweet that means you've been sweeping dan is that what that really means uh well no i i've been trying to get back on a normal schedule okay and um yeah just been uh, trying to catch up with a few things, you know, when you work, uh, you know, as much as I do during finals, and, uh, you know, it's just been, you know, interesting, but, uh, you know, it's been nice watching the, uh, the derby coverage here, and, uh, yeah, it's been really fun. You think you ever want to go and see it in person one? I would like to uh -huh. at some point. I, I've been over there at the track at different times, you know. Um, but, um, you know, well, they had their second largest uh, 
Kentucky Oaks, which that right. is on Friday. Friday for Late. females, yep, for the girls. Yeah, that, oh, it was a beautiful day here Friday. Uh, we had just been able to have the uh, same weather on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, that there was a band of rain that moved in, and it was just um, 10 miles east of the track. There was nothing that happened, you know, um, east of, you know, the, the band of rain that just came in and just kind of set over uh, the Louisville area yesterday. But um, it was like to the east of Louisville, it was like in the late, low 70s and, you know, just, uh, you know, partly cloudy. It was beautiful. That that band of rain that moved in, it dropped the temperature about 20 degrees. And uh, that same, the same band uh, caused uh, snow out in Arkansas and Missouri uh, yesterday, for say. It's been an odd little uh, batch of cold air here in the uh, Midwest. Now, uh, you've been, how close have you been to these fires out there? Oh, um, not really all that close. Yeah. Um, yeah. 90 minutes away from the one up in Malibu and the earthquake. I mean, I didn't feel the earthquake or, uh, and a lot of them are, you know, California is somewhat of a pretty big state. So, um. Think anyone's trying to tell you something? No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Oh gosh, yeah. I don't know what I heard, you know, earthquake and will do and yeah. I said the message, what are you doing? What up? am I doing? <laughs> That's true. That's and where true. is he going to go? You have ice and awful stuff and awful rain. Wait, I have hurricane. hurricane. I'm in the best shape here, I think, because I know when it's coming. Um, you've got Floods in the middle of the country and up in the northeast. Where where are you going to go? There is no place. I'm pretty happy where I'm at. And I'm pretty happy where I'm at. You just got to put up with some of this stuff. I'm pretty happy where I'm at. See? You know. Oh, God's children are happy. We are. You know. I you know I've been blessed so far. I haven't had what probably what you guys done was a power outage for a long <laughs> period of time, and I'm asking. Going through that, like a hurricane or turning, and not having power for several days, could be a bit of an interesting challenge. You know, I haven't had to go through that yet. So you know, people, people live without power for uh, huh, thousands of years. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Somehow they made <laughs> well, it, but not recently. Yeah. 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 You just get used to it. I guess so. Yeah, you just have to. You just have to change your routine, but. Uh, I don't know it. I would think it'd be somewhat brutal to go without power and it's, you know, right in a better winter. That, that to me, that would be uh, an interesting challenge. What really, uh, what really, I couldn't believe this week when I was checking the weather. I mean, they were having winter weather advisories all the way down into Arkansas, and it was like May first, and it's like, oh gosh, that's a uh, Quite a difference. Of course, we've had sleet and snow here, you know, uh, right before Derby. Yeah. Even on Derby. Back in, I think it was back in 89, we actually had snow flurries uh, on Derby Day. And, you know, Derby is always the first day, so. Here's a trivia question based upon Derby. 
day, I didn't realize, you know, my my old Kentucky home? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what year they actually started playing that song? It didn't start from the beginning of the Derby. The Derby started in 1874. When do you think they started playing that in front of the, the Derby every year? I'm not really sure, but um, I'd say probably in the 1930s. Oh, you're really close. Patricia? 34. You're really close, Dan. I, I, would have, I would have said like 1940 or 42. Yeah. 1921. So, Whoa! So they waited, like, they waited like 45 years before they brought that in as part of the uh, celebration of the race. I thought that was sort of somewhat interesting to think about that. That, you know, here, yeah, a race that was already well established for almost 50 years, and then they bring that tradition, and I think all of us who turned around were so used to hearing them play that song before they get the horses going. You know, it's, it's an interesting way to add to a tradition. That's all. And when did Stephen so Foster write it? It must have been in the 1880s, I think. I think so, Stephen Foster, you know, down at uh, Bardstown. Way down upon... Yeah, okay, let's see. I think he wrote Swanee River. I think he wrote Downtown Races. My Old Kentucky Home. Those are some of the ones I know. And I think he died... Where is the Swanee River? Um, Swanee. It's wherever Al Jolson sings it, I think. <laughs> When I cross, go across the top of the state, I have to cross over the Suwannee River. Suwannee River, yeah, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it must go through Georgia. I oh. don't know where the whole route goes, but it dumps into the Gulf. I always think those, I, I always think those types of songs are from, like, New Orleans or something, you know. Yeah. Or in the, you know, in, like in, in Charlotte. You know, some of the, yeah. the coastal the sweet areas with the antebellum homes. All right. Something's going here tonight. Um, American songwriter uh, died in New York City. Hmm. And he wasn't very old either. What years? What year did he was born in 1826 and died in 1864. That's very young. You know? Yeah, I was just thinking. So he was uh, 42. Yeah. No, 38. He was 38. 38. 38. He was 38, wow. not 42. So what did he die of? Something awful like tuberculosis? Let's see. I, I thought alcoholism. Oh, gosh, I hope not. Oh, Susanna. Let's see. Um, early life, we want to know his death. Stephen Foster had become impoverished while living in the, the North American Hotel. That's the name of the hotel. At Bowery Street in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, he reportedly confined to his bed for days by a persistent fever. Foster tried to call a chambermaid, but collapsed, falling against the wash basin next to his bed. 
and shattering it, which gouged his head. It took three hours to get him to Bellevue Hospital. In an era before transfusions and antibiotics, he succumbed three days after admission. Oh, my word. Wow. That's a glamorous. Oh, my word. His one leather wallet contained a scrap of paper that said simply, Dear Friends and Gentle Hearts, along with 38 cents in Civil War script and three pennies. That is heartbreaking. Look at, the, look at all the famous songs he wrote. I mean, he, they might have a list there. Let's see where the list is. Um, and their honor. John of his day, I do believe. Well, let's see. Song, song, songs. We need his entire song list. Where is it? Probably you're on the bottom of Wikipedia. It's not there. Hall of Fame. He's got all sorts of accolades. Let's see if they give it in a different place. Oh, to Santa. Oh, Parlor Minister Jeannie with the light brown hair. Yeah. They, he, they just have some of the oh, 200 songs. Well, this could be why they didn't list the whole uh, thing. Oh, Susanna, Campdown Races, Old Folks at Home, My Old Kentucky Home, Jeannie with the light brown hair, Old Black Joe. I don't know that That's one. That's a new one on me. Beautiful Dreamer. That's a big one. Um, when you think of these songs, I mean, I mean, most of us could, you know, at least hum some of the tunes, you know, from his. Uh, sure. You know, composition Gen- there. Yeah. Gentle Annie. Don't know that one. The Glendy Burke. Don't know. Angelina Baker. Don't know. He had a lot of women in his songs. He had Angelina Baker, Gentle Annie. Um, Jeannie with the light brown hair. Right. Oh, Susanna. She had a lot of women. Hmm. Education included a brief period at Jefferson College in Pennsylvania. His tuition was paid, but Foster had little spending money. Sources conflict on whether he left willingly or was dismissed, but either way, he left Cannonsburg to visit Pittsburgh with another student and didn't return. During his teenage years, Foster was influenced greatly by two men, Henry Kleber, don't know that one, one of Stephen's few formal music instructors and classically trained musician from Germany, and Dan Rice, an entertainer and clown. My goodness, what a juxtaposition. (laughs) A clown and a master classically trained musician. He had a little bit of both. Hmm. So there's six songs I recognize he wrote. And if you think about it, he's gone after 38 years in 1864. You know, almost working over 150 years ago. And there were 200 to his credit. Yeah. Let's see. Even Foster's songs. Boy, oh boy. You know, this is better than going to college. I love it. <laughs> Saturday nights are so good. It's going to school. This show is nothing if not educational. <laughs> it certainly is. Boy, you missed a you missed some really good stuff. Um, all right, let's see. Annie on my own. Away down south. Beautiful child of song. I don't know that one. Beautiful dreamer, the beautiful shore. Better times are coming or better days are coming. Either one of you recognize that one? Nope. Um, Bury me in the morning mother. 
Beats me. Camtown Races. Yep. Canebrake Jig. Coral Harp. Come Where My Love Lies Dreaming. Come With Thy Sweet Voice Again. Comrades Still No Class. Cora Jean, another woman. Doisy Jones. Dolly Day. Don't Be Idle. Bet Your Money on the Shen. The Shen guy? Neither one of us, nobody recognizes that one. Um, and the list goes on and on. Hard Times Come Again, Glendy Burke, Heaven Echoes, um, Jenny with the Light Brown Hair. I'm looking for ones that are highlighted here now. I Love to Bear Thee, Lizzie Dies Tonight. My goodness, he had some very sad songs. Mine is the Morning Heart. Morning, as in I am mourning. Um, you're, you're, brother, you have to remember sad times. I know, I know. Old Black yeah. Joe, old folks at home. Uh, those are the ones that we know. I mean, the list just keeps going. Now, interesting. He died in New York, and he had Confederate money. Well, he probably had been touring. Yeah. You know. I mean, that's a thought. I hadn't thought about that. I think, you know, he would write a song and he would, you know, then have it published. And then the music is what sold, you know, back yeah. in that era. Yeah. You know, it was the, uh, the, the, uh, hmm. the, the published song that sold, you know, they didn't have any recording devices back then. So you couldn't just go out, buy the song and pop it on your 45 That's true. That's true. Machines, uh, How did it get from place to place? Well, that's where the sheet music probably became really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But how did you even know that it was available? Well, if you would look in the back of the newspapers at that time, it would say, the latest Stephen Foster, you know, song is now being published by, you know, X, you know, company. Uh-huh. Okay, so if he... Would, you know, send in an order to, uh, you know, yeah. So he, he, as long as he had a following, if he had already established a following, then it would, it wouldn't be an easy sell by any means, but at least people would understand who they were talking about. Well, and before then, I guess it was person to person. Well, if you think about and, it, how much vaudeville probably meant to America. So let's say if we had Tim Pan Alley in New York, mm-hmm. and if the vaudevillian at least had a stop in New York. They might incorporate some of the some of the songs and take it back on the road. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking, how did a yeah. how did a song get spread? Well, uh, he probably what, went around they, playing, you know, at different theaters. Yeah, even in that era. That's so. uh, the two people who most influenced him, as I read just before, was a classically trained musician and a minstrel show person who not only did regular performances, but also was a clown. And he pulled both of them together. So if you were familiar with the minstrel circuit, it, you know, it could have carried across the country and or at least to different stops that the minstrel shows hit. I imagine he probably played up and down the Ohio, at least the Ohio River, meaning uh, yeah. that, you know, he probably... Jumped on the steamer and you know started in Pittsburgh and went all the way down the Ohio. Where was he born? Did he say? You remember? Did you see that Patricia? Pittsburgh. 
He was born in Pittsburgh. Now, that's interesting. The songs I associate him are all from the South. From the South. My word. Yeah. And he died, of course, in New York City. He went to he went to school in Pennsylvania, Washington and Jefferson College are in Pennsylvania. So he was most assuredly a northern person. And as you say, why the Confederate money? Well, he lived in Bardstown, Kentucky, which is 50 miles south of Louisville. But it's a lot of distance from New York. Now, in, he, in died, he died in um, 1865. Now, he was married. Wow. Well, he was know, married. He, when he died, I, he was married. They, you know, New York at that time was, you know, where their entertainment capital was. Well, that's that's true. I'm thinking in terms of the the um, the the Confederate money. And my question was going to be: Now he died in 1864, which was still during the Civil War. Where was Confederate money being honored in 1964? Even the Confederates weren't honoring Confederate money. And maybe he had some as a souvenir. I don't know. Thirty-seven cents worth. And three pennies. Incredible. A man like this. And where was his wife? It doesn't say anything about his wife. Well, maybe she... I, I mean, I didn't read the whole thing. No, maybe she still... May, as Dan pointed out, maybe she was living in Kentucky when he went back up to introduce a new song or break something in. Who knows? Yeah, that doesn't I mean, say anything. probably touring in a, uh, you know, a pre vaudeville you know... That's a thought. He might have been on tour. And I, I would hope that the poor man would have been able to tour with more than three pennies in his pocket. Um, do you, oh, it's, it's hard to think, but if he were that disabled, and that's what they claim was in his pocket, I can't imagine anyone staying in a hotel with three pennies in his pocket. Somebody emptied his pockets. The cop in me says that's probably uh-huh. a realistic Thought. Well, why would they left, leave that amount on him then? He probably had oh. an agent that were was paying all of his bills. I mean, you know, that just was, you know, whoever was getting his gigs at the time probably was paying the bills. Yeah, but you can't say my manager will pay you for my coffee. He had to have pocket money. Mm-hmm. Well, if I were picking somebody's pocket, I wouldn't bother with the Confederate money, and I wouldn't dig for change. I would just pull what I could grab. Sure, maybe just grab the folding stuff, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Although his wallet was there. I don't know. If you ever get, if you ever get to Kentucky, you'll have to go down to Bardstown. They have the uh, Stephen Foster Dinner Theater down there, and they they put on you know every year. You know, a musical of his life. I mean, it plays like from May through October, I believe. Yeah. Or well, they did a movie of him in the 40s starring Dennis Morgan, so I know that's why I knew something about his life. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was alcoholism, but I could have been wrong, made it, it was played differently. Well, wow. it's not unusual back then. If you called the illness, you know, before, before, you know, modern medicine, I mean, you just fight that out, you know, yeah. yourself. Well, what a 
horrible way to die. He actually died from loss of blood. And, of course, compounded by whatever kind of infection he had, well, he was it sure, sick. It sort of reminds me of what happened to William Holden, remember? No. I think he fell off and it hit, hit the side of the table or something. Wow. Well, Howard K. If Smith remember, yeah. had one of those horrid accidents. Really? He went down, he went, fell down the cellar steps and whacked his head. I think, um... Oh, who's the female? How did we get into this maudlin? The, the female comedian, Cass Daly, the same, something similar. Oh, um, Mama Cass Elliot? Cass Daly. No. Cass Daly, the radio comedian of the 40s. Oh, yeah. I don't know that one. Yeah. Well, um, us. We, we go all the gamut, so there's no doubt about I that. I know. Gee, we've, we've gone everywhere from sailing ships to, let's see, um, he was alone. Oh, this is not good. Slipped on a rug, lacerated his forehead. Oh, dear. Say that again, please. We lost you, Dan. I said, before you all put me to sleep, it sounded like you were just one phone call to the next. Well, we get we got it going. And we put you to sleep? We were that exciting that people were calling in and you went to sleep? Yes. How about that? <sighs> we have to work harder, Walden. Well, what what do you propose that we should do? <laughs> should we should we I get? I think Dan we, needs an alarm clock. This we is get, not us. I think it's him. Should we get should we get all our family phone number and we'll call him throughout the evening and tell him to wake up? Well, now that's yeah, a thought. Could, it could be a new uh, message there. This is your wake-up call. It's only 8 in the morning. Juan Patricia yes. still on here. <laughs> this is the operator calling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. That, that's, a new, that's a new way to do it. Instead of people calling in, you could call out to them. Yeah, that, that, I think that would be a really neat way to uh, wake up different you families. One weekend. Yeah. You really, you really should do that some Saturday night and just call Oh my goodness! I miss you know I miss Dan Don Imus, I yeah. guess his name is. He used to do that when he was doing what do they call it the commuter hours, Walden? Yeah, well he used to have that morning show in New York and he would start that like in uh what five in the morning you know someone oh I know and, and people would people would call in and give friends phone numbers over the air. And he'd say, okay, and he would dial, and some poor jerk on the other end is like 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. It's still dark out, and the guy wants to feel low, and okay. I would scream, wake up! And that was his shtick in the commute run. He had, then, the, prime, uh, he had the prime spot in the morning. You, you could start a new trend as a call-out show. Yeah, we could do that. Sure, we'll call you. What time do you fall asleep? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. The other morning I got in at I got in at home at three in the morning, and someone called me at seven fifty. That was a short night. Who was doing that to you? Oh, I was calling a friend the day before to get an answer to a question, and uh, she. Uh, 
got busy and didn't call me back on Tuesday, so bright and early at 7.50, she called me the next day. And then after I had the answer from her, I'm looking at the clock and I'm thinking, it's 10 after 8, I can't call anyone. I can't call the person I need to call, you know. Yeah, you were courteous enough not to call. You know, I think anybody who calls before 8 o'clock in the morning should get the answer. Don't you realize I'm on the national do not call list? Oh, but yeah, I was awake, and it's like, I can't go back to sleep now, and, uh, you know. Of course not. What did I do now? (laughs) Well, what did you do? I went ahead and started doing some paperwork, and. Did you really? I just stayed up. Oh, no, no, no. Well, then I have to help people learn the art of burying your head under a blankie after you wake up. How do you do that? It takes style and technique. Sure. You just kind of have to curl up a little bit, you know, and hunker down with your head really deep into a pillow and just kind of inch your blankie up over your face. It took me five hours this morning to get settled in. To get settled in uh-huh. or up? Laying down, laying down, trying to get, and trying to fall asleep. Five hours? Mm-hmm. Oh man, I would have been a crazy person. Well, I don't do that very well. If I'm not asleep in 15 minutes after I go down, I'm a wreck. Yeah. It takes an hour for me, generally. No, I'm usually, you know, I don't, I don't go to sleep well. But when I know I can fall asleep. If I'm not gone in just a couple of minutes, I'm back up again. How about you, Dan? Can you put your head down in the pillow and away you go? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> we posted a picture on our on the library Facebook page of a person face down in the hallway of the library saying, with just the caption, finals week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You can tell. You can tell. Well, if yeah. you leave, if you leave your phone number with Walden, yes, we will be happy to call you at different times on Saturday nights just to make sure that you're listening or that you're getting ready to go to go. We'll make sure that you're asleep. Now, Walden can they, call and say, Dan, are you sleeping? Good boy. Now, Dan, have now we know our Patricia take care of her reference librarian when she goes. Has to go work. She'll buy him donuts and things like that. Oh boy, donuts! Yeah. Have, now, have there? Yeah, have, she does. Have there ever been a student that appreciate all your work during fall and came back with a little small token of their appreciation? Oh yes, we uh, usually the student government association will bring in Krispy Kreme donuts every during every final period. And we for you, just for you. For everybody, they bring in stacks, boxes. I don't know how many boxes, but boxes and boxes of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Walden, Walden wants to know Monday. if somebody brings something just for you special. Yeah, have there ever been a, 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 a really a thank you gift, a personal thank you gift? Well, uh, yeah, um, someone brought in a batch of cupcakes, and I don't know what kind of cupcakes they were, but they had like a... All little um, candies, I guess, mm-hmm. inside, you know, like rainbow candies. They were iced cupcakes. Yeah, oh. they were really good. That's good. Oh, uh, I, one of our um, 
worked at the public library years ago at Christmas. One of our one of the members of our friends group uh, would bring in, um, let's see, rum balls. Well, Patricia. What? Rum balls. Rum. Um, I'll be right there. So you're gonna make it. <laughs> uh, I can I can make it. What time does the party start? Well, whenever you get here. Hey. Okay, sounds Don't good to about me. Yeah. This this is good. Rum balls. This is. I want. I I would like bourbon balls. Could you serve bourbon balls too? Oh, I imagine we can get some bourbon balls. Really? All right. Yeah. I have to laugh because uh, there was one lady on our staff who was quite the teetotaler who took a rum ball and she said, you know, that's mighty good. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't know. Did she have more? Didn't, didn't, didn't have the heart to tell her, you know, what was in the uh, rum No. Ball. Well, that was medicine. That was medicine. You know, the old Andy right. Griffith shows? Mm-hmm. We we get it's just so neat. These old stations—they're not old stations. They're stations that concentrate on old shows. So we'll get Andy Griffith with Little Opie, and the two sisters who used to have medicine. They used to keep the still for medicinal purposes yeah. only. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and we just get slacked. Well, there's also the episode where Aunt B, you know, gets uh, the. Traveling salesman, you know, who um, had the elixir. Yes, yes. Oh, that's right. She got whacked too. Oh, she, she, you know, she got a snootful what she did. Uh huh. Why do we, Why do they call that a snootful? Well, oh, I, don't I really don't know. Don't know. A snootful. Yeah. Well, I thought of a. I, I had a, came across a couple of these weird sayings this week too. I should have written them down, but snootful. Hmm. That's a. Yeah. All right. Snootful. <laughs> snootful. Definition. Yeah. Meaning. Let's see. Uh, enough alcohol. Yeah, but we already know that. Um, what is the origin? The word doesn't usually appear. Let's see. Definition of snootful. Urban Dictionary. Maybe that'll help. Urban Dictionary. What an educational night we have had. Um, now, there are moonshiners here in the, you know, in this area. Now, do you know of any moonshiners in Florida or California? Nope. I'm sure they're here. I don't know of any. And I think one of the really good things for a moonshiner is to make sure people don't know you're there. Yeah. My, That's a very good thing. My, I understand that my, my, uh, my grandfather, and my great uncle, who I was named after, uh, somewhere in the twenties or early thirties, tried to make bathtub gin. I don't know how successful, oh. how successful they would do. They tried it. Yeah. You know. Mm, not a good thing. I don't know. It it, it suggests that um, it's. One from the old country. I meeting she had a snootful last night, Lottie. That one. Yeah. And it relates to being so snuckered that you wound up inhaling it. You know, you kind of fell in your beer. Uh-huh. 
So, you know, if you always listen to the old radio shows, it's always the medicinal drink seemed to be uh, brandy. Oh, sure. It doesn't, seem, was, to, it doesn't seem to it be was, anything it else. It was high-class stuff. Yeah. Brandy is high-class stuff, sure. If you were going to get sick and be nursed back to health, you had to have high-class nursing. So, it was brandy. So, was brandy considered more high-class than scotch or bourbon yes. or whatever? Yes. Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a gentleman's drink, and it's not as harsh as whiskey. Okay. It's pretty hot to swallow, though. That's pretty good stuff. A spoonful of so, sugar helped the medicine go down? That's right. Okay. That's right. So I guess you can have brandy balls, too. Rum balls, brandy balls, and bourbon balls. Oh. I'll have um, a picnic. I'll have all three. Sounds like you're going to have a snootful. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the vernacular, what a way to go. I tell you, I'm going to have to bourbon ball her up one night. I know. Well, I I, oh, I, I, boy. I wonder if I'm going to have a little chocolate dipping. That way she can dip her balls into the chocolate dip. Oh, no, no, no. Because bourbon balls come, they, they've got chocolate on the outside. Do they really? I, I always thought it was... Well, I'm thinking of the rum balls. Yeah. The ones I've eaten are not with um, chocolate. Oh, no? No. Oh, well, we have to fix that. It's like a dough. Oh, yeah, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Yep, 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 yep. I agree. Okay. Well, Dan, are you in the market for a question tonight? Because, boy, you've got a fat envelope, and I might as well make it fatter before we get this thing in the mail. Sure. Go ahead. <sighs> All right. Let me see here. Um going to make something. You send me all over the place, so I have to make something really hard, so maybe you won't send me all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Orson Welles played Harry Lyme in the movie The Third Man. Who played Harry Lyme on radio in The Adventures of Harry Lyme? Oh, now, would this be a trick question? Yes. Okay. Well, then. okay. Don't don't listen to me, Dan. <laughs> Never mind what he said. You don't know, listen like... to me. I would take a guess and say it would be Orson Welles. Hooray! It was Orson Welles, yes. See, you know, Walden, we just have to do something about that boy. Well, actually, if you if, if we looked at the Lux Radio Theater version when they did the third man, Orson Welles wasn't part of that. He Locked wasn't, him. yeah, but no. that that was, you know. Now it was now Harry Lyme on radio. Was that a full year's worth of programming? I believe so. I think it was all fifty-two episodes. It was done in uh, in ink in the BBC, and then it was uh, broadcast on mutual out here. Oh, okay. Yeah. What year was that? Now was that forty? Fifty. I don't know, Patricia. You, Somewhere fifty three, fifty four, something like that. Adventures. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Was was Orson's career waning at the time? Well, he was in real trouble with the IRS. Oh. So any money he he was gonna earn, they were gonna snag. 
So they de he decided to work in Europe at that time. That way he could keep the money. And most of the time, as Orson said, he spent most of his life chasing after the buck in order to put it in movies and production. So he spent he he did a lot of stuff. Uh, because he loved movie making so much, he did a lot of stuff just to try and earn a buck to put it back into the films and things to try to complete. And you know, eventually, studio got so unhappy with him because he was basically raising money, put uh, work on a project, then put it aside because he had to go raise. Some sometimes the studio would take the project away for from him and finish the job. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I knew he was a hard one to get along with in his later years. Well, he did not respect time. Uh-huh. And uh, that's why radio was so good for him, because uh, he couldn't push the clock back. So you knew he hit sure. every every weeknight or every night of a con he had to be on the air, so it, it, it formed a, had a form of dip, discipline, discipline for him. And with, when he didn't have radio like that, he could, uh, you know, work on projects and keep working on it and raise money to keep working on it. And the studio who backed it, you know, they wanted to see eventually something to come out. Sure. So. He had the talent, and they had the talent to do it. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. well, Harry was 51 to 52, and I never counted the shows that I have, but I do have a, a good collection. Are you interested in Harry? You know, just to make your life easier. Oh, I what a friend. Did he say that? Yes. He really said that? Yes. I have to ask about Ginny Sims. I can't. I don't, I don't know what I'm looking for on Ginny Sims. She had her own radio show. Well, then I know what I'm looking for. Thank you. I thought he was going to ask you for radio shows facing racehorses. Oh, please. Please. You know, I tell people don't encourage you. Please yeah. don't encourage him, Walden. <laughs> Doesn't oh, that sound like a good topic, Dan? I think it would be. I think it would be. I, I, I want I want every uh, Kentucky Derby radio broadcast from 1922 through 1950. Actually, there's a whole set of them out there from from the I think from the 30s into the 60s. Actually, I think the first uh, well the first Kentucky Derbies I think they were done by WHS Radio Louisville. Yep. Put out on CBS, I do believe. Starting probably in about 1922, because that's when the station started. Yeah. So. Yeah. I hope okay. you two don't expect that I'm listening to all of this, right? Well, there's a famous broadcaster, that Clem McCarthy. Yes, good old Clem McCarthy. Oh, Clem McCarthy, who called the race, I don't think it was a derby, it was another big time, and got confused and and, uh, <gasps> and called the wrong winner. Oh, my God. The <laughs> bookies went nuts. Oh my! Oh oh! Yeah. Oh what? His life wasn't worth spit. They <laughs> <laughs> must have put the hit out uh, on him. Well, I forgot all the details, and I, there's a copy of the race. 
floating around in the hot. John Denny played it one time in one of these interviews. That uh, the one that he miscalled. Oh my word! Oh, anything but a horse race. I mean, that's seconds. Well, when when the horse when the horse crosses the line, the money starts to go out. Well, you know the classic story about the Derby, Patricia, and I know uh, Dan would know this. You you know what happened to Woody Shoemaker in the fifties? Yeah. No. Yes, he he mistook the uh, one of the. Uh, the, pull, the wedding, the the wedding pull. Oh, and he pulled up. Yes, yeah. he was on the favorite. He was winning easily, and he pulled up. And the time he realized what he did, it, it was too late. Oh my! Yeah, and he he was he was good. Oh yeah, Willie Shoemaker was good. Uh, Bob Hope was a frequent guest, you know, here at the Derby back in I guess starting in the probably late forties. Yeah, and um. He even at one time tried to buy WHS radio um, back in the 50s. Wow. He, he put in that application, and I think they turned it down. I think they said he was too involved in uh, radio at the time. Mm, that would make sense. That would make sense. Well, well, Dan, thank you for asking for something that um, isn't quite as difficult to find as some of the others we've talked about at times. I've done reasonably well finding them, but you will have Harry Lyme in your envelope. How about that? Yeah, this is good. Well, I'm very glad that you're finished and you've got a little bit of breathing time for yourself. Yes, yes. You did yeah. good. You made it through. Hooray for Dan! Yay, yay. Well, yeah. I sure appreciate the uh, the uh, questions, and I I'm gonna have to go and find the podcast of this broadcast, <laughs> so I can like play them back and and listen to all the uh, educational tidbits you put out there. Right. Oh boy, tonight was a really humdinger of a night too. It, we had it, ships it, and sailing boats and civil war and who's and the, who's, the, who's the oldest living well-known American author? Authors and how many leagues and what's the difference between a league and a fathom and all stuff like that there. See now, I, I stayed with you till it was after twelve thirty before I just couldn't oh. stay up any longer. Oh, big! I mean, we just get warmed up by twelve thirty. That's right. I know. I, Everybody's going to yeah. have to start doing what Wal and Patricia do, take a nap in the afternoon. That's gonna get Patricia you. doesn't take a nap in the afternoon. She just doesn't get up in the morning. <laughs> 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 no, I just well, put it on the other end. Yeah, yeah. No, very unusual for me to take a nap. So, Well, Dan, I'm glad you made it through. Uh, you're finished with finals for a while, and um, just kick back and enjoy the day tomorrow. Do something nice for you. Yes, I have one of my rare Sundays off. Wow. Yes. So, yes, yes. So do something nice for you, and we'll ask you next week what it was. All right, I shall do okay. that. Okay. All right, Dan. Thanks a bunch. Be safe. Have a great day. You too. Walton, take care. Watch out for earthquake. I will. Thanks, Dan. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, earthquake happened. I'll just have to move somewhere else. Anybody want to take me in? Oh, of course, oh, I would take you good. in, you poor thing. I mean, you'd have to bring your refrigerator, but yeah, true. you could do that. That's true. 
just a lot of lettuce, <laughs> you know, and I, I mean the eating kind, not the not the kind you have to fold and put in your pocket. Yeah. Lettuce, what is strange? Well, I mean they're both green, but hey, I got a lot of lettuce today. Yeah, no yeah, kidding, yeah. yeah, I got five hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. And where did buck come from? There you go, cabbage. Sometimes you hear me. Uh, That's cabbage, right. Uh, bacon. That's right. I brought home the bacon. Cabbage, brought home the bacon. Cabbage, lettuce. Yep. Bucks. And we've um, we've got a lot of fat in the budget. Yeah. Let's see what else. Hmm. I think those are the more common uses of it. Um. Of course, you can't use foreign language like the nails. Mm-hmm. Um. And of course the the the. It's like a C note. Yeah. It's kind of slangish, but it makes sense right. because 100 is C. You know, the right. letter C is 100. Right. So that makes sense. And then we we have a 10 spot. Yeah. And a a nickel would be a five dollar bill. Right. Um, we really do have some strange stuff, don't mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. Well, quite greenbacks. That's right. Um, show me the green. Um, and t- cross palm with silver. Yeah, or or um, though sometimes they refer to uh, the president. The president, you know, show me a um. Oh, g- give me a, a Grant or a, or, uh, a Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes give me a five spot. You know, sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. A C note. Uh, um. Hmm. Fold, we, we sometimes have... we call it folding money. You know, we don't really. Mm-hmm. Uh, paper. Or chump change and and um, chicken, chicken scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or chicken. You got enough scratch. Chicken feed. Yeah. That's what it is. Chicken feed. Or, or yeah. They call, uh, you got enough scratch. You know, they have was, enough scratch, and uh-huh. chicken feed is just, you know, a little bit of money. Yeah. Money is money to me. No such thing as chicken feed. <laughs> uh, that's chicken feed. And that's a strange expression. Correct. Ralph Ralph tells us how expensive chicken feed is. That's true. That's true. Hello there. You're on here. Yeah, and I don't know why they call it dough either. There you go. Oh, very good. There's one. All right. Now that you've now that you've given one, you cannot go until you give a second. What else? Actually, uh, Woody Guthrie, of course, called it dough re me. And you bread. Know, you, yes. Yeah, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Bread. Yeah. But, but which came first? I wonder. No. What the dough or the bread? No, it was was it called dough first or was it called bread first? Dough. Well, I guess it would have to be dough because you can't have bread without dough. True, but I wonder, if, I wonder if the if the usage uh, came in. That oh, way. oh, I see. Okay. Well, Kurt, that's a very good question. <laughs> well, sometimes I think they call it sugar. You know, but I'm bringing home the sugar for my baby. Oh, <laughs> Well, of course, there's Uncle Sugar, but... Yeah, I think sugar has a different connotation. Um, yeah, yeah, it's um, a little different, I think. Uh... Oh, I I had to I had to mention the Zorro from yeah. last night. Uh-huh. 
uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I mean that rabbi was talking to was talking to a banana. And what? I just uh, the uh, and of course that and it was before Lolita got famous. And I, I don't know why who who decided that Lolita was going to be this this woman's name. I certainly don't remember that in any of the Zorro that I ever heard. Well, I'll tell you one thing. When I heard the credits at the end of the show, they, get, they named some production company. This is a radio broadcast. So we can definitely say that was a radio broadcast. It, was no, it wasn't, remember, there were some thoughts that we thought it might came from a movie or a TV show one time. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you if you'd ever heard of nope. that, that guy. I, I never did. George, somebody. I don't remember his last name. The, 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 the he probably changed it after that. <laughs> But it it has to be it it has that has to be one of the worst I've ever heard. I'm so glad. Yeah, that's I was, good. That I, means I, I'm I doing was, my job well. Yeah, you are. I mean, I was I was surprised at how bad it was. Because and the accents, I, I, it just blows me away that the actors and actresses who promoted themselves as being able to do foreign accents came up with the same one across the board for everything they did. Everything rolled the R's, and all of them sounded like a bad combination of Russian and Spanish. Well, I also wondered if this was your left-hand, your, your kind of left-hand compliment to Cinco de Mayo. Whoops. Oh, oh, my gosh, I never thought about that. I, I, thought, I thought about that while it was because... You know, that music, because they always use kind of the same music. Well, sure, uh -huh. it, that song almost reminded me of the Cisco Kid, the way that organ was going up the, the broadcast. Yeah. That one that one did not have the Zorro song to it. And I oh. think the Zorro song, I thought, belonged to the television show. Yeah. And there, there's at least one show that I have in my file, my radio file, that has this, makes the sign of the Z, the Zorro, 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 Zorro. Oh, I don't. I. Wow. I was, and that is a television yes, theme. So at least one of them is probably a television transcription or recording. Yes. But for all I mean, for all I know, the television could have taken it from the radio. Which came no, first? I don't think so. I mean, as far as I know, it, it's actually. How many different versions? Because because Jerry Hendigas played. I think he liked a couple of the other radio versions of it. I never understood. I never understood the great interest in Zorro. Anyway, it, it always seemed to me to be you know just kind of the usual kind of pedestrian. Uh, yeah. Pedestrian story. It, but. it was it was a poor Cisco kid. Well, actually, well, yeah, but on a, but on TV, I mean, it, it it was huge, and I don't know why. Well, part you know, it started in the silent movies with Doug, Douglas Fairbanks Sr. He did a silent movie Zorro, and it, it's pathetic to look at. But again, we look at it by today's standards. I thought it was just dreadful. You can get it on archive.org for anyone who wants to take a look at this movie, which is where I watched it. But it was just an awful, awful presentation. So 
it, you know, it has nice, good pedigree hmm. with Douglas Fairbanks, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened from there. Yeah. Anyway, I, I forgot. I was, I was going to call up and and and, and criticize that show because it was awful. <laughs> Yeah, as long as people know you're criticizing the show, and and I did a good thing by oh, making no, a good choice. You did a great thing. I mean, it was it was it as was bad, bad. As I've ever heard, and it, I mean it was fun to listen to because I want to know if 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 they had somebody actually making the Z or whatever when they did those sound effects uh-huh. or not. I mean, that's you know. Oh, it, it's, from my ears, it was somebody doing as I had done earlier. Yeah, yeah. That, to me. that was Zorro Z. Yeah. How else could they do it? Well, yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, we, sh- we should have been asking our callers, which there have been a couple, about our one-legged actor. Yeah, you want to take a shot? I, no, you will Patricia, Who was it? have you have you given up on it? I I didn't know. Okay, well, it was Herbert Marshall. That's right. Really. The man call X. Yep. And I was I was gonna I was gonna say the last time I called in, gee, you know, I'm really kind of surprised he had all that traveling on that leg. But then, but then I realized, well, yeah, in a sense, he did. I mean, you know, in real life, he did. Yep. Because, I mean, he was an actor and acted all over the place. Sure did. So, I mean, he really did. Sure did. So, anyway, well, I, I just, um, I will talk to you guys next week and um, have fun and keep up the good work for however long it lasts and I'll be recording. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we last more than tonight. We don't get oh, fired. Oh, I, I hope you do, too. Yeah. If we do, it's been good. It's been a good run. It's, it's been, yes, I'm, it's been I'm a sure good you, life. Yeah. I'm sure you will. Okay, so thanks, Kurt. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. If we ever got dismissed from the station, I think somebody, mm-hmm. would, I think somebody would pick us up. You think somebody would want us? Mm-hmm. Somebody would want us. Somebody. Somebody would send me a head of lettuce or something. Yeah. Um, for anyone who has not listened on Friday nights when we talk about heaven, help us, that was terrible. That's what we're playing. I pick out a really awful show, sometimes two 15-minute shows, that play 10 o'clock Eastern on Friday nights, and the competition is to make the program worser than the week before. (laughs) We have shows that are really just dreadful in radio and we're having fun putting some of the really awful shows on alright doing the next tape
would you like your questions? Of course. You had your baseball question already. Which other one would you like next? My quote. Your presidential quote. If if one morning I walked on top of water across the Potomac River, the headline that afternoon would read, President Can't Swim. <laughs> wow. You know, that really, that really is a commentary on how you can manipulate headlines yeah. to, gee whiz. All right, who said it? It doesn't matter who said it. It's no, it's true great. and it works. It's a great yeah. line. Ronald Reagan. It was Lyndon Johnson. Oh, that's a great I line. would not have picked that one for Lyndon. I would have picked Ronald Reagan, too, I in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, I, I can't see old Lyndon having that kind of sense of humor. That's a no, good, that's a and I guess he had one. It's just that the sense of humor he had was the kind I would have trouble appreciating. You know? I mean, holding an interview with Jim Bishop for a biography while he's in the bathroom, you know? That's well, where well, you got to get it done. you got to get it done. Yeah, that's where, that's where he held his interviews. <laughs> I mean, not all of them, of course, uh, but, uh, comment, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't bother him wherever he was. Well, that yeah, was we, okay. We knew what his song was. Boy, I mean, he had class and culture, you know? <laughs> okay, what do we want? We've got Stump Walden, a brain teaser, and your presidential question. A uh, brain teaser. Your brain teaser. What is most useful when it's broken? Bread. No. No, I can't. I can't make that one work. What is most useful when it's broken? When you break a dollar bill? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it has to be most useful when it's broken. Well, I thought you'd get this one in a heartbeat. Mm. I gotcha. What do you break before you use it? I break open a jar. No, I have to break it. Oh, an egg. <laughs> Very good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, you really struggled with that yeah, one. You good, did yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. You did good. Okay, you've got two left. You've got your Stump Walden and your presidential question. Stump. Your Stump Walden. Mm -hmm. It is a quote. Which comedian said, I'd like to be a squirrel. With all the nuts in radio, I'd be very happy. That sounds like Patricia. <gasps> I didn't say that. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it would. <laughs> no wonder I liked it. You're right. Uh, I like to be a squirrel holding nuts. Uh, sound like Groucho Marx. No. Fred Allen. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, gosh, I thought I had you on that one. Oh, Fred Allen said that. That's good. And, you know, it's funny. He had such a distinctive voice mm-hmm. that when I read something like this, I can hear his voice in my head. I remember. And it makes it twice as funny. I remember the, uh, I think the, the um, in the late 80s, Robert Taylor at the Boston University wrote a, like a history of Fred Allen, and he had the same feeling when he was at the Boston Public Library reading his radio scripts. He could hear the voice in his head while he was... He could hear it. Yeah. Yeah. And he he did have such a distinctive voice. You know, he had kind of a nasal quality. Yeah, the, nasal. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of nasal, and he just dragged out a couple of words. Yeah. And it was perfect, just perfect for delivery. I'm, I'm so sorry they wrecked it with scripts. <laughs> And truly, and we've talked about this, he, he he did so well and was so funny when he just did his thing. But he put a script in front of his hands and it sounded like he was reading a script. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was funny. It was oh, good yeah. material. But when you could compare it to what he did at living, you couldn't bet. hold a candle to it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like when the eagle got loose? When the eagle got loose? It was loose? one of the funniest nights he ever had in radio. Absolutely. No, or, it, or or what he could or else when he could get or a hawk I don't know what it was yeah the ego or when he just abwebbed off the script yeah 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 I mean he had to go with the moment you didn't plan on a bird getting loose no. in the studio oh, yeah. especially a raptor but you know it, it was just so good it was just one of the best shows he ever did absolutely because all of it was just off the cuff. Good stuff. Okay, now we're down to your presidential question. All right. I really like this one, and I'm going to be disappointed if you know the answer. Oh, that's good. One of our presidents was a licensed bartender. Which one? (laughs) Hmm. How about Richard Nixon? Abraham Lincoln. Oh, wow. I never. And he was co-owner of a saloon in Springfield, Illinois. And the name of the saloon was Barry and Lincoln. Wow. I never knew that. Never did. You know, uh, Richard Nixon was a Quaker, so I wouldn't have put him in that role. Okay. But good. That's a great question. A bartender. Great Bless his question. heart. A bartender. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so we did Winnie the Pooh. Yes. I've got some great radio bloopers. I think we need to save them. Okay. This is It's very late, right? So are, am I safe that all the kids are still in bed? Yes, they're in bed. Okay, I took this from an article that was written by Jack French for the publication Old Radio Times, which was the, or is the official publication of the Old Time Radio Researchers Group. Mm -hmm. And I pulled out some of the bloopers. He did a really good job, but the article is very long. But some of the bloopers began with a commercial for a bakery. And the words were supposed to be for the best in bread, Yep. And it came out for the breast in bed. Yep, for the breast in bed. 
Who did that? Yeah, it was uh, Andre Barus. The famous did he? Oh, yeah. He, oh, I have admitted. He told that on the air uh, with Ray Bream when he and B. Wayne were sitting in. But, yeah, he was the famous announcer for... Uh, I know. You know hit parade, but he, yeah. he was the one who, who he was did the, one. the mm, good. He did. He created that for uh, Campbell's. Was he not the one who did that? No, that was his buddy, Dale Sharp. They were doing it. They were on it together. So you heard both of them telling stories back and forth. Oh, uh, okay. But, I thought it was Andre who who um, came up with the mm mm good. No, Andre. Yeah, it was Dale Sharp, but who did that part? Okay. But yeah, but no, it was Andre Bruce, the one that you heard. Uh, shout out the Rocky Stripe presents your hip parade. Good old, yeah, some of them yeah. were good. And tonight, the phone rang when I right after I asked you if you had listened to the show. Fibber did one of his boo-boos. He did. He did. And Molly started to laugh, and she couldn't stop. He start, He, you know, he called Harlow Wilcox occasionally. He called him Junior. Right. And right. he started, it, they were in the middle of a commercial, of right. course. That's why Harlow Wilcox was there. And he just finished saying something about Johnson's Wax, and he meant to say, or Harlow finished about Johnson's Wax, and Fibber meant to say Junior, and he called him Johnson. <laughs> and Molly started to laugh, and it just, it, she laughed hard, or laughed hard when oh, something like that happened, but yeah. my God, this was the hardest I had ever heard her oh, laugh. Wow. She just kept going and going, and as only Fibber could do in the next line, I and Jack Benny would do it as well, he yeah. rolled it in that boo-boo and called Harlow Johnson again yeah. in an appropriate area and just pulled it in as part of the comedy routine. But, Walden, I have never heard Molly laugh that hard oh, wow. in any of the shows. She just couldn't it. hold it. It was great. Uh... It was great. Okay, on a soap opera, Mr. Lane is on the seat. Would you please have a phone? <laughs> These are good. That's good. Okay, um, we have on a sports announcer, Nelson just kicked a 35-year-old field goal. Yeah, that's pretty good. Some of these are so cute. Oh, Pennsylvania yeah. commercial. Remember, folks, this is the highest price, lowest quality piano available today. <laughs> Yeah, you know, those and that kind of stuff can happen so easily. Oh yeah. Let's <laughs> okay. Classical music narrator. This is a quote. Our music of Sunday classics today included Mozart's concerto for flarp and hoot. <laughs> of course, your flute and harp. Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I thought that one was good. Oh, you didn't yeah. laugh. It was Kate Smith. Yes. Bless her, bless her little heart. Yes. She apparently ad-libbed a lot of her material. She okay. didn't follow script. She knew what had to be said, right. and she said it, it like a real person. Except one thing she said, we'll be right back after this word from Doskin Facial Tissues, the very best Kleenex you can buy. <laughs> okay. Not a good thing. No. Not a good thing. No. An art link letter pulls up the rear here. This is the last one in People Are Funny. Yeah. He had an engaged couple, and he invited them back to be married on the stage the following week. Right. And they said yes, and this would be fine. And he ended the show with, now don't forget, next week this wonderful couple will return to consummate their marriage hey, right here hey, on the stage. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my goodness! Yep, they were going to roll out of bed and just let do them it. do it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I still have a million useless but fun, and there's one that I have to tell you. I'll take it off the list, and then we can do the rest next week. Okay. Did you know that rats laugh when they're tickled? That Ralph laugh. Rat, like a mouse, a rat. Oh, rat! Uh, it does. Yeah. A little rat, yeah. A rat laughs when it's tickled. Wow. Now, I don't know how a, what a rat, a laughing rat sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I'm not about to test it out, but scientists have found that a rat will laugh if you tickle it. Wow. Now, I don't know what that says. What? It's just useless but fun. I guess so. Man. That's the end. You'll have to wait for all the rest of the really good stuff, like how fast turkeys can run. Oh, that's good. That'd be good. So when we, have a, when we have a turkey running contest, we'll know. That's right. Um, I say they run three miles per hour. Three? Three. Three. Is that what you said? Three 30. miles an I thought, hour? I thought 30. Oh, 30. 30. Well, you're a good guesser. It's 25. 25 miles an hour. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's that's faster than good. the fastest sprinter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's Tur- a wild turkey. Turkey's running tw- two times faster than the fastest human being on the face of Earth, practically. Wow. Okay. That's it. I'm finished. Should we go? You're going to have to save the dried eggs for next week. Oh, man. All right. I'm sorry. We can and do it. May. Oh, wait a minute. Let me tell you what May is. Yeah. Um, and even I, even Ivan, if you're out, and come happy in. Birthday, yeah. Happy birthday, Ivan. And Eva, you are the big winner for the for the month of April. I know. I'll Patricia, send them an email. Patricia, can I, you want to describe your MP3 player she's getting? Sure. It's an MP3 player. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little handy-dandy pocket thing. And it's not teeny-teeny, but it will fit in your pocket. You plug it into your computer just like a USB port. It will charge the battery. It's um, a chargeable battery. You don't have to replace the batteries. And it will download two gigabytes of whatever you want to put on it. And it comes with stereo earbuds. And you walk around with it in your pocket and you can listen to your radio shows and music. What a nice gift. I think that's pretty cool. I got one for me, too. Um, I may have to give it up, huh? No, no. I no? think I think the family would will would will stand by your decision of having one. I bought one for me. I really, 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 really wanted one. I'm glad. I really, really, really did. I'm glad. So I'll keep one. Good. Which is what I bought it for anyway. So, like, I bought one for me and I bought one for the show. So it's not like I'm taking anything. No. So did you buy one for yourself first, or did you buy one for the show first and said that would be nice too? That's right. I bought one for the show, and and then I said, hmm, gee, I think it would be really nice for me too. So I ordered a second one. Perfect. I did do that. Okay, this week, first week in May is National Nurses Week. Hooray for all the nurses. Hooray for the nurses. It's also Date Your Mate month. Hmm. 
Hmm. That sounds pretty good. Yes. And in a very interesting combination, we have National Barbecue Month and National Hamburger Month. Now, do you think they are in collusion? I love both, so I don't care. I can have one for lunch, one for dinner. And National Salad Month. Now, it seems to me that there is a collusion in here somewhere. That so these guys are working together. You have National Barbecue Month and National Hamburger Month at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It would be the equivalent of nepotism. Uh, only what Patricia, do you think? Only Patricia could figure that out. Well, I would, I would think so. And and last week we had Mother Goose Day. Mm-hmm. So. All right, let's see. Now, we had the fourth. Today is the fifth, right? Right. So, um, everybody. Thank you to our uh, our Spanish friends out there. Hope you have a good celebration. Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. That's right. It is the fifth. And we do have a wonderful day, a good holiday, and be safe, for goodness sakes. It is also National Hoagie Day. You know what a hoagie is, right? Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if I've ever had one, though, but I, I know what it is. Yeah. You've, you've never had, like, a um, a Subway sandwich? Uh, yeah, but I didn't know if you can actually call that. I guess I, I guess some are classified as a hoagie, aren't they? A hoagie or submarine sandwich. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love those, yep. I thought, yeah. I thought a hoagie and a submarine sandwich might be two different things, though. No, they're, they're pretty they're pretty close pretty together. Pretty close. They're pretty good. Yeah. They're pretty good buds. They're, yeah, I think okay. the word submarine sandwich started, like, in Coney Island. It was someplace in New York. I first heard about it when I was going down to Atlanta, Georgia. It sounded really? really good to me. Yep. All right. So, all right, now the fifth National Hoagie Day, it is National Oyster Day. I don't I'll, think so. I'll take the hoagie. I'll take the hoagie. So we've got those three, mm-hmm. Cinco de Mayo, National Hoagie Day, and National Oyster Day. I don't know. Oysters? Oysters? Well, okay. Give me the hoagie. I'll, I'll take the hoagie, too. Or oh, uh, uh, tacos. I love tacos. So I yeah, I know. And I, it, when when I come out to visit or when yes. we go visiting yes. people, somebody has to give me a taco because I don't recall. I've had burritos, but I don't think I've ever had a taco. And I like burritos. Oh, so man. Would that mean I like tacos? You would love tacos. Really? But they crunch and they fall all over. Well, tacos are the crunchy ones, right? Yeah, you know. Now, you, didn't you notice when we were talking to the family about the first date? And was it um, Ralph for taking that he he, t- he took a girl? You could take a girl to a uh, a five second place or whatever. Yeah. Wouldn't that look a little, you know, feel looking good on a date? You know, all the five well, seconds stuff. Do you think that'd be, you know? Okay. Who said, okay. Who said there were there were two places? One was well, a chicken place and, and a and a sort of like a maybe it was somebody else like a hamburger yeah. place. Oh, oh no no it's um Lynn. I think Lloyd Norris was telling us about. Oh yeah. 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 Hamburger ham- and hamburger and a chicken place. <coughs> and a chicken Lynn. place. Yeah. Yeah. The the choices weren't huge, were they? Well, I mean, you know, a ch- fried chicken can look a little greasy. Yeah. So, you, you know, if you're on a first date, will the date, will the girl forgive you if you look like a met, like a pig? Well, I eat it with a fork and a knife. So, I'm cool. Well, I don't know cool. what you're going to do, but well, if, if, you, if, if you eat it with your fingers, yeah, I'm not going to kiss you goodnight. <laughs> if I've got fried chicken, you know, I'm going to go clean no. up. I'm going to go clean up first. Okay. Yeah. 
Alright. Okay, well that's that's okay. Well, I'm thinking like, you know, except five seconds. I mean you eat that with a fork and a spoon? Yeah. Uh see you have classic culture. Uh, uh, with a, a knife and a fork, yeah. I do that. You know, you... There's finger food and then there's finger food. So you right, you, now. you you would cu you would cut the five second off the bone. Mm-hmm. And eat it off that way. Okay. I mm -hmm. I have nothing wrong with that. Okay. That's good. Now, I, I do admit that I have some of this stuff a little backward. Yes. No, you I don't. Like, I like to eat French fries with my fingers. Well, who doesn't? Oh, really? Is who that does? cool? Oh, that, I think that's Oh, you don't, need, you don't have to eat it with a fork. I'm okay on that's that? proper etiquette. Oh. Oh, somebody needs to tell Emily Post. What does she know? Hmm. Yeah, what does she know? Okay, so when we go on, especially on, since she's been dead go for out, a very long time. When we go out for dinner, if yeah, I better or you a, a bag of fries, you'll be you'll be okay with that. I'll be fine with that. Okay, all right. Ooh, I like fries. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean anything that's really bad for you, very high on my list. <laughs> very high on my list. Well, I do not follow. I do not follow a cardiac diet. So you know what the, you well, know what the cardiac diet is. If it tastes good, yeah. spit it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think if you had your better lettuce and your fries, it can't be shut out, so you're neutral. <laughs> it balances out. <laughs> oh, can put my French fries in a bed of lettuce. This is good. <laughs> you're very creative. Oh, try to be. Very creative. Yeah. So, okay. Well, are we finished? Should we should we run away? We should run away for Alrighty. Matt for next week. Matt, when you call in next week, I want to know who rode a horse named Silver. We better find out. Our party's over yeah. already. Well, good night, everybody. Thank you for being with us. We had such a good time. I did. I had a great time tonight. Thank you, everybody, for helping. And we love you all very, very much, everybody. And stay tuned next Saturday. And who knows if Patricia will pop up during the middle of the week. You just never know with the crazy station. Oh, you just never know. We you don't just... know. We don't know. Practice. We don't know. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows until half an hour earlier. <laughs> Good night, Weldon. Good Thank night, you, Bunches, for such a great night. Love being with you. Good night, everybody. We'll see you then. The Piper Must be paid the party's over the candles flicker and dim you danced and dreamed through the night it seemed to be right just being with The party's over It's all over My friend 
JAWS for Windows is ready. Welcome to Skype. Press insert plus H for a list of JAWS hotkeys that can be used within Skype. Skype trademark 18walden.us. Search. Get unlimited calls to phones with a subscription. Search page. Skype. Status online. And then the convention could be streamed as, as well. Right. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. This would be a good meeting to stream it, and uh, and people, uh, hey, underscore Bill, I know you're probably listening. Can you record this Saturday's meeting for us? Just heads up. Because we won't be around, yeah. and I'd really like to hear it. It's it's you got Conrad Binion, Tommy Cook, and uh, Gloria McMillan. Three. That three. should be fun.